0: investing lending and money management disciplines leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals no matter how complex they may be real wealth requires real solutions for more information connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. that's c-o-r-i-e-n-t.com Corient.com. and you
1: can't get up so i mean there's only so many ways this could have gone down
2: it's like he can't get up, or he can't get
1: up. Um, well, we know he can. We know he can get up because he, <laughs> anyway. I think it's time to move on. This is why I don't want to talk about this.
2: This
1: is why I tried to move on quickly. But we no, we couldn't have that. We had to wallow in it, didn't we? We had to wallow in the awkward wheelchair sex conversation. And here we are. <laughs> Ladies
2: and gentlemen, you are now entering the second big comics podcast. Starring Mark
1: Clare and Rizzo Martinez. Go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go, ninja, ninja, rap, ninja, ninja, rap. No, sadly, you have not stumbled upon a review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2 Secret of the Ooze co-starring of Vanilla Ice. Um, maybe someday? Maybe behind the paywall, maybe on the Patreon. But today, we are looking at another ninja-related story. We're looking at the uh, beginnings of ninjack, but not the ninjack that my partner here knows so well. Not the ninjack from the 2012 relaunch. No, we're looking at my ninjack, the 1990s Ninjak. Uh Speaking of that partner, he is here with me, as always. He is the Ramblin' Man himself, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, what's up?
2: Mark, you can't make a better combo than comic books, ninjas and podcasts. It's like the internet was made for things like this.
1: That's the triumvirate of, of how to, how to get the ladies. Absolutely. Help me so well. <laughs> ninjas comics and podcasts. If you're into those, you're set. As far as I know,
2: people are going to go out like, you know, Worked for us later maybe this weekend, may- maybe. And, and it, it's, it's going to be one of those things that they pull out. They're going to be like, so what do you do? You know, it's like a hobby. It's like, do you like ninjas? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you like comics come with me? And you'll see... If you want to live. Come with me <laughs> if you want to enjoy these things. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm excited for it, today. We've covered, we've covered ninjack. In the past, we covered the uh the the standalone ninjack versus the valiant universe uh film that's online. Then we also talked a little bit about Colin King when we were doing the Exo Manor War Volume One. Uh both of those episodes we'll go ahead and link in the show notes. But this is the first time we've even touched him more specifically in like a comic sense. But now we're going back to like the very inception of Ninjak when Valiant was still like the up and coming new publisher in the 90s. So I'm, I'm excited to really dedicate some time to him.
1: I was very excited this for this as well because uh, this isn't these are some more books that really I was really into when they first came out. Much like I got into a few of the early image books, it was really only I stuck around with Spawn for a while, but really Savage Dragon that captured me. But again, as I've mentioned a few times on the show, what especially at that age, what would really get me into a book would be if I found a new book that was original, exciting, but there was something about starting something from scratch, like like following Savage Dragon from scratch has always been appealing to me, and it's been like third. Years now, um, the ability to follow something from scratch, I, I really always found appealing. So if I found something new and, and exciting, I would always try it out because it might be something that I could catch on to. And, and just having being able to be there from the beginning uh, was always really appealing to me. Being like you know one of the early fans or what have you, liking that band before everyone else liked it. Uh, so that is very much how I saw the Valiant universe. And I think one thing that Valiant did even better than Image, I think Image was more successful commercially and more uh, su- successful in terms of some individual books because they had all the hot creators, hot artists coming in. But what Valiant did, I think, better than Image, they actually successfully created a universe that you could follow. And it was it was big enough to feel kind of grand in scope if you were following you know, the four or five or six books at a time they'd have it going, but small enough that you could really follow the whole thing. You, this really could be your baby if you really got into it. And I didn't follow all the Valiant titles, but uh, I did uh, read a lot of early Ninjak as well as early Exo War when they first came out. So I'm excited to dig back into them for the first time in a, in a couple of decades for me. Uh, One thing I'm curious, Remzo, I know you were into this Valiant relaunch. I know you were super into Exo Manowar. I know you read several of the books uh, from this time period. How much 90s Valiant had you read prior to this, if any?
2: Primarily Bloodshot. And, uh, I've got the first volume of the 90s Exo Man War. I have flipped through it, but I have not read it. It was part of like my panic buying, uh, spree I went on during the height of the pandemic. I had like a stack of graphic novels. I think I've gotten through like 99% of it, but I know that one book is sitting on my shelf back home in Virginia and, uh, it's waiting for me to crack it open. But I mean, primarily, um, uh, pri- primarily Bloodshot. I mean, the, the books that Jim Shooter himself really looked after were the ones that I was more interested in. He covered primarily, uh, Bloodshot and I think a little bit of the unity and he kind of let the other writers focus on their stuff. But I mean, we we're talking about, you know, the, the timing of which they were coming out. We've discussed the image revolution in the past and while definitely image eight valiance lunch in terms of actually being able to compete with the big two at one point, they overtook DC as a, uh, the second. You know, top publisher, they were still around underneath Marvel. Uh, Valiant really didn't have that, that selling capacity, primarily because they didn't have the name recognition from those artists specifically. But what they did have was they had Jim Shooter, who to this day I will say is probably the best Marvel editor, uh, that Marvel ever had. I don't really think that, uh, you know, I'd say he's the best publisher, editor ever in comics. I think a few, I I think like, uh, you know, um, Denny O'Neill from DC definitely probably takes that spot in my mind, but Jim Shooter was definitely up there. He had his own you know his own crew of people that really knew that he he knew his stuff.
1: So uh we're going to d- dive right into the this 90s ninjax series. Now this series is written by Mark Moretti who uh he doesn't seem to have done too much. Like Valiant is is the bulk of his work. He's dabbled in a little bit of Marvel stuff, but he's primarily been like an indie and Valiant writer and uh the artist, well he will it's kind of a drama. So we'll get into it. Not, not a drama, but a bit of a story um but the the initial artist anyway who teamed up with Mark Moretti to create Ninjak was Joe Casada, who was uh, he was pretty big in DC. He was, was kind of an up and coming artist around the same time as a lot of the Image guys, uh, and he did a lot of work. Uh, uh, he did, I think he's probably best known for prior to this some work he did on on Batman uh, during like the Azrael times. Um, and uh, so I kind of followed him over to Ninjak, and uh, Ninjak I will never forget this like um, like Valiant did these like glossy not glossy like holographic like covers of some of these initial oh, books. They did and those things. They did, but they were actually. Nah. Pretty pretty cool. Like they actually, they actually looked pretty cool. I I gotta say, I mean, I I know now as a, as an older man, I know that they are just a gimmick and really just meant to, you know, make teenagers paid three more bucks for, for a book, but they were really cool to me. And I have the original Ninjak number one.
2: They really wanted that glossy 3d power girl cover. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I wanted the glossy ninja cover and I got it. I actually think I have not, I think I have two versions of this at home. I have, I have one. And then I have another one that I got signed by Joe Quesada. So signed and certified by Joe Quesada at, I think a New York comic convention when I was like, you know, 12 or 13 or something like
2: that. So what's your take on Joe Quesada? If we're, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna go ahead and pull us into one rant, like you, have, he's one of those people, like many of the people we've discussed, it's like you either love him or hate him. I get why people don't like him, but he was the, he was the publisher of Marvel when I was there. And he was actually the artist on a, Amaz- Amazing Spider-Man when I jumped in in the mid-2000s. He's still
1: editor-in-chief right now, right? He has
2: he? a role, but he's no longer like, you know, day-to-day Marvel operations. I don't think, I don't actually think he is. I think he left. I might be wrong.
1: I believe he's still mentioned on the inside of, of Marvel books when I opened them.
2: But he's not like overseeing the books. Like when I was there, he was overseeing like everything leading up to uh, secret, I'm sorry, Secret Invasion. It was like him and Bendis who were running things.
1: He's actually chief creative. He was made chief creative officer in 2010.
2: Oh, so he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, so you're right. Like you're yeah, right. They, <laughs> yeah. They, they paid him to not leave. I don't really love or hate him. I, I
1: always liked his art. And I never really thought too, too much about him after that, to be honest. But I, to me, from as far as my fanhood goes, because I, I was kind of in my, you know, my comic dark years when he ended up going back to Marvel and assuming more of an, an editorial role. To me, he, he did Ninjak. I liked it. And then he faded away. And that kind of dives into my story here. He faded away to me anyway. I know he didn't actually fade away. Um, <laughs> Thanos style. But he, um, so what happened was he was brought in. He teamed up with Mark Murray to, to start Ninjak here. And he did the first, I think it was the first. Yeah, it was the first three issues that he penciled. And then, now, Valiant had this track record that they've held very dearly to, that they always had their issues come out on time. And it started to become apparent after a few issues, when they started to get close to these deadlines, to Mark Moretti, that, that they were not going to make the deadline because Joe Quesada was getting so backed up. He's, you know, I think he's kind of like a Jim Lee. Sometimes he needs to take his seven days to create that one big splash panel, or, or what have you. Uh, so b- when they started to come up, I, I, I presume he had done some penciling before this, but Mark Moretti was like, well, we're not going to meet this deadline, so guess I got to draw the next issue so on starting with issue four we have mark moretti on on pencils and writing and then they kind of bounce through a couple different different artists uh to to stay on time so i think we have like a different artist uh every issue after issue three which is very interesting um but which sounds oofy but well we'll get to it uh but yeah i mean that's it's all because joe casada who i think is a great artist and a really good artist but you know he 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 had to take his time and he or he couldn't meet the deadlines. So they said, all right, so we're going to move on because we value meeting our deadlines.
2: That was like the only book he had to work on, though. I know, you know, um, it's you know, not, not it's not like he's not going to question yeah. the man's work rate. All right. All right.
1: But yeah, but Valiant really held dearly to this idea that we don't we are not missing. We are not going to be late. You're always going to get your books on time. So if that meant they had to move on from their their superstar artists here, that that's what happened. So I guess it is what it is. I know Cassada I think did a lot more Valiant work, too. I think he did. I think he did some EXO as well. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I believe he did some nice Exo Manowar. At least some covers for Exo because I know I also have the Exo Manowar number zero with the Joe Kasada hologram cover. So the, I know he at least did that. Um, But let's just dive right in, shall we? Let's do this it. This is Ninjak number one. This is actually for anybody who wants to read the actual volume we're reading. This is Ninjak Valiant Masterworks as uh, the book, which collects uh, issues one through six and issue zero. But surprise, surprise, as we'll get to there's two issue zeros my friends there's not just an issue zero there's an issue zero zero and and you might question or wonder why we're to go start at issue one and then do the issue zero at the end but that is how they laid this book out and uh, i think when we get to it it actually makes sense that they laid it out this way and this is actually the order that the, they came out uh publishing wise that was a that was a big thing that they they like to do they would start a series have some number of issues uh i think image did this as well and then later come out with the issue zero like giving you the full origin backstory kind of tying in some things that That happened in the series
2: yeah dc did that during the new 52 era they did an entire month where all you got were issue zeros after they were like five issues in
1: yeah so that was a that was a big thing i think i think it might be image that started the issue zero thing or maybe it was battling but they were both doing it heavy around this time
2: i'm 90 percent sure the first time they did that it was with young blood it was young blood issue zero and then for all of lifeld's people they did zero and uh that, then it kind of caught on from there because nobody and everyone ever, bought yeah. them. So then everyone else said, I guess we'll do that. I guess we got to go and where we'll the money make goes. Money.
1: We'll laugh all the way to the bank. All right. So starting out, it is, uh, according to, uh, this, uh, the caption here, it is, uh, from, this is coming from the weapon file. Uh, Weponeer is actually uh Ninjax, the code name for Ninjax, little private organization, uh, which we'll get to, uh, file date, November 13th, 1993. And basically, uh, the weaponier who will later learn is inject is monitoring a transaction of some stinger man-made heat sinking missiles uh, between this agent Pierre DeVries and uh, some unknown nationals and so he we just kind of see his perspective watching over the whole thing there's this DeVries guy uh, talking to this other other dude and uh, there's this basically like, this arms deal going down there's this uh, chick named Dominique uh, DeVries they, they ask like how did you get these weapons and this guy Saleh and Dominique they they ended up they, they kind of ignore the question and they end up turning the tables uh, it turns it turns to a violent affair Pierre gets killed um, and then this this chick Dominique she's like all right well we finished that we finished that deal so uh, I'm gonna take off because I got a date with Colin King Colin King b- I don't know if he's a billionaire but he's a he's a millionaire playboy etc but uh the readers uh, realize he is also of course Ninjak so ninja shows up at this at this um, sort of uh, at this weapons deal sort of, sort of gone wrong um, shit's going down Ninjak is has arrived And he is, uh, doing ninjack things. He is, he's killing bad guys. uh, And, uh, basically he's trying to investigate uh what's going on with this thing and he confirms we see a caption he says uh indications at scene confirm initial intelligence and he grabs this bracelet uh so he seems to recognize this bracelet bracelet there's also a caption saying webnet involvement likely um and he says temporary solution send message and you just see him blow up this boat uh this whole dock with like with like a missile launcher and all, and all these guys dying so yeah that, that's the message he was sending uh, we then go we see Colin King he shows up at the hotel uh, at a hotel with this bracelet uh, at the princess hotel where this chick Dominique is waiting for him so she she's waiting for her rendezvous with this playboy who just so happened to find this bracelet in the hallway and she's like oh the, the bracelet was in the hallway that, that's cool um, you know so so they get down and dirty and um, then who shows up uh, some bad guys show up uh, at, at this uh, at this hotel room um, and Ninjak Colin King I guess as Colin King he uh, he kills these guys cleans up the bad guys and he kind of you know he's he's kind of uh, you know, interrogating the bad guys he wants to know what the connection is to Webnet and this character named Dr. Silk uh, by the way Dominique uh, dies dies along this along the way here uh, Jack actually I, yeah, I think Ninjak actually like holds her in front of himself while these other dudes are well, I don't think they actually show that but she, she dies in the whole thing but uh, but Ninjak was was he was you know he's doing the James Bond thing where he's he's sleeping with this chick uh, just to really get into uh get into the organization uh really to investigate things and i guess bonus he gets to you know sleep with his hot chick along the way so because why not there. yeah so what do you just think about this initial scene this initial sort of introduction to we we kind of meet them separately uh knowing they're the same guy to ninjack and then to colin king aka ninjack
2: this is so different from what i read during the uh Basically, the reboot of the continuity in 2012. Um, you know, ninja has always been a cool character. He actually got his reintroduction to the new Valiant Entertainment Universe through X-O War. So that way, you really get to see him like in his prime. And then when you actually get to his actual ongoing book, they they kind of take more time to look into his past and stuff, which is still interesting. But they, they set it up as if you already know a lot about him. And... Like that, that's okay. But what I really like about this one is that they're really jumping on like that 90s action motif of just get straight to what people want. They want violence, they want hot women, they want action, and they want the mystery uh, involved in it. So I would equate this more to like, you know, a mission impossible type of story compared to the modern in Jack, which is more like a Daniel Craig James bond. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but in terms of like, you know, a young reader at the time, especially for somebody that wants to really get into a new series. I liked this introduction to him from the first couple of pages compared to what we saw when they introduced them uh, towards the end of volume one at the beginning of volume two of X-O Mano War and then when you actually jump into ninjack volume one weapon here. So I'm I'm digging it. Yeah, and I
1: have described it this way before. I, I'd say ninjack is kind of a combination, he's like Daredevil meets James Bond meets like Batman. You know, he's got the, the money and the gadgets of Batman. And as we'll get to later on, the the sort of, you know, the dark past of Batman uh, combined with, you know, the sort of ninja background of Daredevil. And, you know, the, J- the James Bond comparisons are pretty obvious throughout. But uh, moving along, so uh, Ninjak is working with this guy Mont Blanc. They are basically he's part of his Weaponeer organization, and basically there's these like two organizations. There's the Weaponeer organization, which is ninjax, and there is also uh, Comsat, which is a front for Webnet. That is the organization run by this guy, a Doctor Silk, as as we kind of learn along the way here. Um, we, we see dr silk um he's, he's i think we find yeah we finally do get a get a look at dr silk here and he's got this like he's always got these like f- this one f- uh, this female like working for him and, and we'll we'll get back to her later but she's clearly like kind of frightened like she's not exactly happy to be there and especially when you get a, she's when not you get there a, for the benefits no she's definitely not there for the benefits and uh, and the benefits are that she yeah she has to kind of be there for this this really grows. We only see a glimpse of Dr. Silk here in the beginning. We only see like the little piece of his mouth. And it's just like we just see like the drool and, and the grossness. And I, I, one thing that really strikes me like from the beginning is is just the the feel of these books, like the look and feel. And I think this is one thing that you know attracted me to these books. Like these were so, so different than, than mainstream Marvel and DC books, the flashiness of like a, a Superman or a Spider-Man that was not there here at all. This is all grim, gritty, dark, and very adult. Like when I was 13, I, I felt like, like I was getting away with something by, by reading some of these books because of the level of, of violence, uh, the sort of sexual, not even innuendo, the sex, the sex scenes. I mean, uh, very blatant in a lot of these, Books and it really feels like this is meant for adults, which to a teenager kind of makes it feel a little bit cooler. So I think that was part of my attraction to a lot of these Valiant books. They just they just did things in a way that really felt much more adult, much more serious than the, the typical comic book superhero fair that that I would find out there.
2: Yeah, I mean this is the this is the Grunge generation. This is when these people were really trying to go out and you know stand apart. And I mean Valiant very much tried. Well, well I why well, where I consider Valiant in terms of like their style, they were were. were like a step above marvel in terms of the stuff they were willing to get away with but they weren't like to that level of just like in your face grotesqueness that you're going to get from certain image books like i remember one real uh real real controversial page came from, I think it was like Spawn issue 10. It was where uh, Spawn I, or somebody else actually like skins a pedophile alive and you see him like hanging without his skin and everything. And it's a double page spread. And, uh, you know, Valiant would never do that. But Valiant's going to show you all the drug, sex and violence that you won't get from like a Marvel book. So right now it's like it, it was definitely like that gateway for a lot of people.
1: Yep, for sure. And uh, to continue on here, we see these two stooges that are uh, on the way to meet Dr. Silk and uh this one stooge he's kind of like he seems like he's kind of the newer guy he's like oh do you think dr silk will, will do you think i'll get to meet dr silk this time and this guy this is the guy Saleh, this is the guy that was involved in that other weapons deal that got away uh that we saw at the beginning there he's saying well silk is like those damn spiders he adores my nervous friend he only reveals himself when he's snared someone into his web and is moving in for the kill he's like are you worried and the guy is suddenly looks, like pretty nervous uh, but it turns out it was actually Saleh here that should have been a little nervous because he ends up experiencing once he has to so kind of explain himself uh, and everything that went down to Doctor Silk. Uh, he ends up experiencing a very very gross uh, death by spiders. So and uh, Doctor Silk uh, kind of puts this other guy. What is his name? I don't know. Oh uh, Calder, yeah Calder. So he's he basically is like, all right Calder, you're you're uh, you're taking his place. You got his job now. So he's like, uh, cool. Uh, I guess I guess I, I guess I accept. Um, so yeah, this is this is not maybe the, just just like the the female who's attending Doctor Silk it's no one's in this for the benefits you're actually kind of in this because you have to be like somehow i think i don't know how it works that you end up working for webnet but i think you apply for a regular job and then some point along the way you realize you're not in a regular job and there's no way out so like like a multi-level
2: marketing scheme (laughs) yeah
1: it's basically an mlm with spiders and gross for other gross things basically
2: and we're going to need you to work on weekends
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the worst part um, so ninjack is out and he is uh, he's tracking things he's tracking Dr. Silk because he knows that Silk is going Silk and Webnet are going to uh, retaliate against the Weaponeer organization in some way shape or form uh, at this point Ninjack is still working with this this Blanc character who seems to be uh, kind of his, his sidekick of sorts uh, Ninjak and Montblanc kind of bust into this or no there's these there's these reports that these guys in white all being killed and uh, this guy shows up at, at Mont Blanc. It's not exactly clear to me what was going on here. I was confused uh, to this day about the, the guys in white what that was all about. Um, but this guy comes in. He's like, he's like he's dying. He's got a knife in his back. He's like oh and this Mont Blanc guy's like King's Report. Oh my god he was right. And so these guys are coming. He was right about Webnet coming after them. Uh, so these guys all shoot up the place but Ninjack shows up just in time and uh, battles off some ninjas or no, he's they're not ninjas. He's ninja. Uh, we, we get to more ninjas later on. Uh, but he's more like ninjas. the Mont Blanc. More ninjas, more. <laughs> more ninjas, more ninjas, more. Uh, Mont Blanc, who has been shot but is still somehow alive here, he pulls up and uh, gets Ninjak in his car. As they're pulling away, uh, these dudes, these two dudes, are they're kind of aiming at Ninjak's car, but this guy, who we'll later learn, is Fitzhugh. He is basically um, Dr. Silk's uh, right-hand man. He, he says, no, don't shoot him. Let them think they're escaping. And uh, as they're driving off, uh, they basically end up in this... Um, yeah, the car's been rigged. Yeah, that's what happened. The car gets rigged and then they end up in this, uh, in this black water. That's the stuff. That's like, that's what Dr. Silk has been working on here with his web net. He has, has this substance called black water. So it's more than just water. Like it's, it's water that you die in, basically. Um, so they are now, uh, as we end this first issue, uh, we see Ninjak going underwater along with his, his friend Mont Blanc here. And it looks like, things are not looking too good at the end of issue one. So well, how do you think, what do you think of the approach to this first issue where we don't really get any background or anything? We're just kind of, we just kind of dive into the action and we just sort of learn some tidbits of what's going on along the way, instead of being just, you know, have the whole story laid out for us here.
2: I'm going to keep on with the James Bond metaphors because I, I, I you know, obviously like everyone else who's a James Bond fan. So Bond. I've the seen, start. I've seen all, I've seen all the movies, but what I really like is, you know, the, the Ian Fleming books, not that that matters, but like, oh yeah, here, here Here's why it matters, because the first Ian Fleming book was Casino Royale, um, and it's it's a good book, but it's not very heavy on the action. It's more heavy on the espionage, the mystery of it, kind of like a Craig film, whereas this is kind of like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll equate it to... Pierce Brosnan's first appearance as James Bond in GoldenEye. You just get straight into it. Or or more aptly, since we're starting with the beginning of something more like Doctor No. Like There's a reason why they chose Doctor No as the first Bond movie. It's because they didn't know they were going to make a franchise out of it. So what you want to lead is you want to lead up the action, the intrigue, the sex appeal, all the awesome parts about it that you want. And then you can get people in long term as you begin to develop that. So for this one, I mean, they definitely knew how to go ahead and catch your reader And then you're going to begin to reward them with all that additional information and stuff over time. So I, I really liked this approach. It's way more mission impossible than let's say like, you know, a Daniel Craig bond film. Yeah,
1: I I did as well. I mean, it it kind of just pulls you right into the action and yeah, I mean, that's, that's an apt comparison because that's, that's kind of the same formula as, as a bond film in general. It's, 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 we show you the action we show bond, getting into some stuff and we'll, we'll get to this stuff later. We'll, we'll lay it all out for you as we go.
2: What what happens in the first 10 minutes of a bond movie, bond kills someone bond blows something up blonde gets bond bond gets laid laid. yeah
1: yeah exactly so yeah basically almost the exact same formula here so moving on to um ninjack issue number two uh, Blanc, he didn't make it so it, I hope nobody got too attached to Ninjak's buddy Montblank but Ninjak does actually escape thanks to some gadget thing he has that lets him blow things out so I, I really like that That you know he has he has all these different skills like he has the ninja skills and he can go hand to hand with everybody but he's also got the gadgets he's got the gadgets of Batman so he's kind of the best of both worlds for fans of, of either of those characters uh, and then Ninjak is emerging uh, just as the cops are pulling up but he just kind of like jumps over leaps does like a ninja leap over the cop car and just like phantoms out of there. And then the, the French cop, I guess they're in France here, and the French cop says, Un fantôme! Or is that French? Fr- I'm just saying it's French. I have no idea. Un fantôme? I have no idea. I made them French. They're French, French now. I know. I don't care what they were. Whatever Mark Moretti called them before. Uh, and then meanwhile, Fitzhugh is reporting back to Dr. Silk. Who is none too happy uh, because he believe he and Fitzhugh is, you know, typical, typical bad guy. Uh, he's like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah. Um, they, because Silk's like, oh, they found Mont Blake's body alone. He's like, you idiot. Like, Ninja escaped. And he's like, oh, but no, we, we, la- the, the car was drowning. They're dead, you know, typical stooge who thinks, thinks the guy's dead when he didn't see a body. You got to see a body, friends. And, and Dr. Silk clearly knows that. So, so he's just hammering Fitzhugh for not, not actually. Um,
2: Have you not seen Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol just because they go into the <laughs> (laughs) canal and don't come back up doesn't mean they're dead
1: have you not seen every james bond or spy movie ever fits you come on and he's like what do you want me to do doctor he's like next time finish the job now go check on sabrina and now we see this this chick sabrina she's got kind of some black eyes here so it's past her time i don't want her wandering about alone so that's what happens um, when you
2: leave him with chris brown
1: dude you can't get involved with these mlms (laughs) i mean it is it can lead to some crazy things Uh, Meanwhile, Colin King is back just chilling at his his palatial estate. And uh, he's he's kind of just kind of narrating this thing through his I guess he keeps a journal of all of all his activities, which might seem like a bad idea since he is actually involved in some uh, illegal activities. But whatever. He likes to keep a journal. He wants a journal. Who am I to argue with the guy? Uh, But basically, he's he's laying out. um, He's he's finding all these sub companies and tracking all these different arms purchases. And he's finding that all these sub companies are actually all, if you follow the trail of money, are all owned by Colin comsat so there's these completely legal they're making these small legal arms transactions but they're all under this wider organization of comsat which is just a front for webnet and we we don't know the backstory we will get to that but basically you know colin king he's out for webnet he is not a fan of webnet uh his whole thing is really about combating webnet uh but also making money for himself because you know you gotta gotta eat bill's gotta get paid somehow then just gotta eat and just gotta buy new throwing stars things like that um, and Ninjak has a little lead to follow uh, from one uh, American military purchase, so that that is what he's going to pursue. And next thing we know, we're in Colorado uh, at a U.S. military base. The military has—they say they've lost a satellite. We don't know how. And then something—basically, uh, a message comes up on the satellite, and someone has like hijacked the satellite, taken a picture of this um, this spot in um, in Brazil in the jungle, and then the message Ninjak flashes on the screen, which is what this uh, this like general guy is reporting here. So he's basically saying this guy hacked into our system and is is pointing us in the direction of this, you know, of this uh this kind of secret Blackwater Comsat organization and gives them all the details about Blackwater. So basically this they're going to send a unit to go to go bust up this thing based on this intelligence but they're also like you know what's going on here because uh, there's a CIA guy involved here too and he he seems to already know about Webnet so we'll, we'll see a little bit more about him uh, then we kind of we go off and we meet uh, we finally meet a very different version than we've seen in the uh, 2010s version of Ninjak and a very different version of this character that we see in Ninjak versus the Valiant universe but we meet uh, Neville Alcott as well as uh, Sinclair now this version of neville alcott is not as spry and young as, as the one we have in the more modern Valiant comics this is a, a much older man who is in a wheelchair and we do we do learn through some of the conversation here that silk um they the silk is responsible for the death of of alcott's wife and uh basically they are going to tell the u.s about webnet's uh, stinger missiles, m- 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 but they're not going to mention that they know anything about ninjack or know who ninjack is or anything um but we do get from the scene we we do realize that uh neville has a very close relationship with colin king he holds up this picture um, of this like family and presumably the little boy is colin king and he's saying what have you gotten yourself into my boy so we kind of get an idea that neville has played somewhat of a a fatherly figure uh towards colin king over the years here
2: He, he very much feels like the original m from the bond films yeah like it's probably the most like on the nose uh you know, character in terms of who they're lifting inspiration from.
1: what do you think about this version of Neville Alcott, who is, is, you know, I guess, I don't know, they play similar roles to the version uh, that we have in the Valiant EU, but uh, this one is a much much kind of older version.
2: I, I mean, it's a bit too on the nose because it's like every younger hero has to have like an older mentor. So I don't hate it, but I do like the idea of uh, Neville, who I grew up with being someone who's probably around uh, Ninjak's age, who's more of a brother to Colin and less of a father. Not that you know, it, it's, it's, it's necessarily better that way, but it's just how I kind of prefer it because it's a little bit different and their dynamic is different because the Neville here is really a Neville in name only compared to the Neville that I've known since Valiant Entertainment came about in in the 2000s. So I guess it's just a matter of preference.
1: It's just different. Yeah. It's probably whichever one you you read first, is the one you're going to feel more comfortable yeah. with. So I was used to this more fatherly son relationship with Neville and uh, and and in Jack, whereas in the in the current male valiant universe, it's more of a like you said, more of like a brother relationship. Yeah. They kind of work more side by side as opposed to you know one being more of a mentor to the other. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, Silka, uh, we see this this Brianna girl or Sabrina girl, I mean, or whatever her name is. No, no, Brianna, Sabrina. Yeah, it's Sabrina. There we go. Mm.
2: Disposable female character
1: yeah she's having a really bad time with this mlm she joined up with apparently uh she it seems like she's being like raped or something and she's also being injected with something so it's, not really clear, but it's clear that this that amway has has really you know changed some of her tactics based on from the from the original meeting when she was pitched to you know like you're just gonna sell some makeup door-to-door it's not a big deal just come spend some time in the jungle in brazil for your training now and you uh... <laughs> live here
2: never yeah. talk to your family and, um,
1: and, uh, um, and of course, Ninjack is helicoptering into the Brazilian jungle because, uh, of course, he has got his own helicopter, uh, helicopter guy. And he je- gets in through the vents because that's what spies do. We get in through the vents. He's kind of surveying the, the scene. And you can tell he, he's got a plan here. He's like, all right, you know, to find the nerve center, it uh, looks like everything goes up from here. And he sees this, like, elevator shaft going up. So um, he, he's coming up with something. Um, and uh, along the way, we uh, Dr. Silk is making a call to his guy in the Pentagon because Silk's got a guy everywhere, too. And he finds out that someone leaked their location and that a, a Navy SEAL team is on the way. So he's like, motherfuck. Uh, but right as they, they find this out, Ninjak is here. Ninjak has arrived and he is there uh, just uh killing bad guys doing ninja stuff. And uh as this is going on, uh I, I wrote in my notes the black water is rising, Mofos, because Ninjak uh like basically break something or trigger something and the black water that uh, the silks kind of weapon that he was looking to sell um, to sort of you know take down the United States or sell the terrorist organizations or whatever he's going to use it for uh, that is that is there and it is, is rising um, as they're as their bat this battle is going on here uh Fitz-U has got the master disc so they're like it's cool we're going to take off we're going to get out of here we still have the formula for black water we're good and this chick this uh, Sabrina chick she bursts out her gun she says no I'm not your toy I- I'm with the CIA freeze and she 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 just punches her in the face. This wasn't
2: a real job.
1: Yeah, so so basically this chick was a CIA agent who who went to infiltrate this organization, but she's been drugged and beaten and brainwashed and, and all this stuff. So she's, she's a shell of her former self. I don't know where she got the gun if she's been hiding that this whole time or what, like they, they don't have very good security at this, this MLM here either, but
2: maybe she's super crafty. Maybe it's Maybelline <laughs> just as uh
1: Fitzhugh is about to just uh, mess her up. He gets a foot in the face from old Colin King gets taken out. Um, and yeah, that's when the, everything crashes down and, and the black water is rising. And at uh, the, the end of the day there's there's a pretty cool scene too where um she it seems like she shoots ninjack and they think ninjack is dead this is right, right before this and but it turns out ninjack was just faking it she didn't even shoot the gun he actually used like um a little like flashbang of some kind to make it seem like that he got shot and then he was just faking his death and that's how he was able to intervene uh, he kind of he basically played uh played dead while uh, while fitz went after uh, sabrina and then he he came back and, and took her out and at the end of the day they escape he escapes with brianna uh, i guess he just had his cu- chopper away or what, and um, and he gets uh, actually he gets out of there on his motorcycle, I think. I don't know. It's, it's hard to see, actually. The art's actually kind of unclear at this point, but uh, Fitzhugh, we see Fitzhugh and Dr. Silk are just like about to drown, it, it appears anyway, as this black water is rising around them and we also see this Navy SEAL team coming in and they just, I guess, destroy the place and the, the video that we're back now at the end here with Neville and we're seeing the video of, uh, they're, they're reviewing the video of the SEAL team just destroying the place and b- the mountain virtually disintegrates under millions of gallons of water um, and yeah, like they go over the fact that Sabrina was a missing CIA agent who had been drugged for months uh, while, at, while uh, Colin King got away, but he got away and he got away with something. He got away with the black water formula with that disc. So he has that in his possession. So uh, that wraps up the first, we get, we basically we're getting like a couple two issue arcs here, uh, three two issue arcs before the origin here. So this is the, the first one. So uh, what, what I find interesting about this myself is that, that like th- this book does not waste your time. No. And a lot of other books this first arc would just be six issues for no other reason than because they could drag it out six issues i kind of like the fact that this is just two issues it tells one little story of ninjak battling this organization we don't know the full backstory but we get enough seeds planted that we know there is there is the deep backstory there and you know he he, he finishes the mission and we move on and uh, so what did you think of just how quickly this first little arc was wrapped up
2: this is everything that the 20, 2012, 2013, uh, Ninja ongoing series isn't. Like, it gets to the point, it gives you everything you want, and it doesn't mess around. It doesn't pretend to be anything loftier than what it is. This is pure like action-adventure spy-thriller escapism. And, you know, I I, I like uh, the current incarnation of ninjack, but really this is what it's built upon. It, it should have run towards this concept instead of running away from it to be something else. I want more, like, Golden GoldenEye Pierce Brosnan and really less Casino Royale Craig.
1: Yeah, and I did read a bit, uh, a good amount of that uh, that 2012 Ninjak, and I I enjoyed it. But going back to this makes me realize that I I like this better. I think. Oh yes, yeah. because it. That really is more you know, hard-hitting to the point
2: on the nose. I want to see ninja fights, man. Like, yeah. you don't get that. You I mean, don't really get any fights in the in the 2012 version. Spoiler alert. Oh, like, yeah. you see some fights, but they're not even, like, real fights. This yeah, is There's no shortage of that here. Yeah, this is like a Fast and Furious film. Show me the
1: ass-kicking. So now, basically, we're getting into the next arc here. This is issue three. This is already our last issue with Joe Casada as Pentler. So I hope you guys did not get too attached. Uh, he's also inked by Jimmy Palmiati. Jimmy Palmiati. Just a name that I... I know from years of comic reading, he seems to be like the inker anchor of ink. he created I think Harley like, Quinn. He did some art too. Oh, did he? I didn't know. Yeah. That. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Learn new things every day. Uh, so this is if if the first two issues were Karate Kid this is Karate Kid 2 where when they go to Japan because we're going to go to Japan here folks that's right uh, this is the seventh dragon this next two issue arc the first the first two issue arc was um, called Blackwater and uh, we are starting off in Osaka Japan and we see this uh, Japanese like minister guy uh, being threatened um, by these uh, Yakuza or something or, or other and they're talking and they're like, they're like alright well he's basically learning that these Yakuza are, are essentially threatening him and this one guy is saying well you know you know who you can call he's like Girls yeah but the busters. price i'd have to pay
2: oh yeah
1: <laughs> but the price i'd have to pay and and uh, he's talking to someone who's his daughter and she's basically saying you know you know what he'll ask for in payment and she says, he says stop whimpering i don't get where i am by being soft i'll do whatever i must to protect my country and us you should learn to do the same so some shit's going down in japan basically. Uh, we then go to Buckingham Palace one week later, and we see that Colin King, we meet the, this woman who he calls Aunt Margaret, uh, and we are at this kind of, like, this masquerade ball, and he's kind of... Now, he's actually there as Colin King, but he's, like, dressed up sort of like a ninja, <laughs> which is kind of funny, because this is actually supposed to be his, his alter ego, Colin King. And he actually oh, yeah,
2: hiding in plain I sight. He, he did,
1: I don't know if you noticed in the art, it looks like there's some, like, in this one scene, this one panel, there's a couple, like, there's people dressed up, but there's one of them looks like Lobo. I just thought that was interesting. It was like Lobo and like a shitty green arrow or Robin Hood, but one of them looks like Lobo. It's on page fifty eight if you're looking at the, the same uh, Oh yeah. Same, uh, huh. So he's there. Uh, I, I guess at the masquerade. Um yeah, but anyway, they're they're at this masquerade ball and and um let's see. King basically says fuck it and takes his mask off and this chick is horrified. She's like, What are you doing taking your, your mask off? This is the masquerade ball. He's like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. He's like, if you in this is actually Neville's daughter he's talking to. He's like, I doubt we'll be here that long if your father has his way. Besides, until straws are suave at this kind of function, how would I enjoy my punch? So Colin King is just tossing down, uh, tossing down the booze, tossing down the punch here.
2: It's so weird seeing Neville's daughter as a grown up because, as we know her, she's a kid in current continuity.
1: Oh, in in your continuity, yeah, in your in, your in, in, in the real
2: <laughs> Valiant. Oh
1: please. come on, um, but um basically at the end of the day this is all like a, a Neville wants to talk to to Colin King and uh, essentially he wants ninjack to join up with British intelligence or whatever specific I don't know if it's MI6 or whatever that uh, Neville works for here um, but uh, and he also lets on that he knows about, about Ninjak so I guess you know he Colin King was supposed to was supposed to think that Neville didn't know that he was Ninjak, but Neville's like, yeah, I obviously know you're a ninja. Neville, dude. how could you? So, and then uh, Ninjak gets pissed off when he brings up Japan. He's like, I, he's like, why would you mention Japan? Like, I don't want to go back to Japan. But then he mentions the name Michiko Okubu and that is that, that guy we saw in the beginning and uh, clearly Colin King knows this guy. So he says, so basically he's like, alright, I'm in because I got to deal with this guy. Uh, so again, I, I like how they, they do a lot of referencing of the past here and we will learn more about the past, but they don't just lay it out for you. They just plant the seeds like a good Movie would like a Bond movie would, and then you learn more about the sordid backstory later on.
2: Yeah, like I, I'm not I'm not here to you know learn everything I need to learn before I start the story. I just want to get to the story.
1: We then go to Osaka, Japan. We see uh, these guys at the club and uh, someone shows up to them and delivers this, this guy dressed up in this like pretty scary looking outfit. He uh, delivers them uh, a box. What's in that box? A human head. (laughs) And then uh, this guy immediately just completely uh, murders all all these guys. Um, And he said, except for, yeah. So, and this guy has a, as a warning Shataro for Shataro Ishimatsu. Uh, So, you know, Someone, someone means business here. Is, is all we really know, and we'll kind of learn more about the backstory as we go. But he basically says, "Return Machiko Orobu, or suffer the Earth of the Seventh Dragon." So uh, apparently, these guys are holding that Machiko. You know, she, she is the girl. Actually, Machiko is, is the daughter of that of that uh, Japanese. See,
2: samurai. these MLMs will take your kids. Uh,
1: we then go and. Um, Colin King is with uh, Sinclair. Uh, he's kind of Neville's like right-hand man in Australia. Uh, There's an interesting scene here where they walk by Bloodshot and Bloodshot just says, oh, hey, Sinclair. And uh, Colin King is kind of like freaking out because he's like, uh, he's like, uh, Sinclair's like, don't worry, no one knows that you're ninjack here. Um, he's like, no one knows your alter ego. So don't, don't worry. But ninjack looks back and he like kind of makes eye contact with Bloodshot and he sees Bloodshot looking back. He's like, ah, shit, Bloodshot knows. Like he, t- he just totally knows. He doesn't know how, but he knows he can tell. So I, I like that. It's not much of an interaction, but it's enough to remind us that this is a connected universe and that a lot of these characters are very directly connected. You know, they're like Bloodshot actually works for the same organization as Colin King. So it kind of makes sense that they would run into each other in this in this circumstance. Uh, but it's just a it's just a passing. And I, I kind of enjoyed that because clearly we see there's some history there. King knows who Bloodshot is. He knows that Bloodshot knows what ninjack is. But only now is Bloodshot is he realizing that now Bloodshot now knows that he is also Colin King. So all that we get from just a couple panels. Which I like, um, yeah. But ba- basically, Neville's like, "Oh yeah, don't worry about bloodshot. He he doesn't know what's going on." But you know, that, that's just not true. Uh, we then learn that Michiku's father is is Yusaku, and uh, I guess Ninjack used to sleep with her. Of course, he did. Why else would he care about this mission? Of course, that that's what's going on. But uh, apparently, bow, now bow, 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 apparently bow. they're saying she has been missing for six years, and uh, they don't want they what the, the what the British guys basically want, and what they're working the, the other you know, the Japanese government on is that they don't they don't want a war between the yakuza and the japanese government so it's not like they even favor one side it's just that they have assets in you know in uh, in japan and it's just it's just bad for everyone if there's an all that war between the yakuza and the japanese government so that's what they uh want to prevent uh and uh they mentioned this guy this who's calling himself the seventh the dragon that's the guy that killed all those guys at the club and then jack's like yeah i've heard of this guy i know who he is and uh basically all these guys worked for uh this dude T- tashiro matsuda who is basically like this this japanese uh jackanese he's basically I, I called him japanese kingpin with hair that, that's what he looked like to me go go sure he's dressed exactly like the kingpin even holds that the cane and everything and uh yeah he's, he literally is the kingpin just happens to be japanese and with hair um uh yeah but the the guy they follow uh they follow this guy and uh the, the that uh that they let out um that they they were following that was let f- that was allowed to be freed the one guy that this this seventh dragon guy spared the club they follow him back to matsuda and this guy says it was goro sakata and uh g- apparently that is someone that uh, ninjak knows and uh ninjak is able to then later he he gets to the house of this uh senator uh Os- Okobu, senator Okubu. uh he's a about to be assassinated when Ninjack shows up and starts doing ninja shit. We get those those ninja fight scenes that Remzo loves so much. We get we get the uh, the shurikens, we get the uh, the the long blades, we get the knives, we get the shooting stars, we get everything. And Ninjack is just kicking all sorts of ass ass. And uh, all Okubu is concerned about. He's not happy. He's not even like thankful that Ninjack just saved him. By the way, he's just saying he just doesn't want Ninjack seeing his daughter. He's like he's like yeah, I know that's why I left Japan out of respect for your wishes. Uh, and then we also learn through this this conversation that this Goro guy was a classmate of theirs and of course he is also in love with uh, Michiku.
2: so he would not join my pyramid scheme
1: yeah so uh, this Goro this Goro Sakata guy shows up and instead of being grateful uh, to Ninjak for just saving his life from assassination uh, Okubu orders Goro to kill Ninjak what an ungrateful asshole this guy just like did some crazy ninja shit and saved your ass and you're ordering your guy to kill him like can you believe this guy how ungrateful can you be?
2: Amway be like that sometimes.
1: It's, it's the MLM, then, man. It's the MLM shit, man. Uh, Amway don't sue us. You're not okay. going out without a fee. <laughs> you're gonna need to pay a departure fee, sir, if you're gonna you know, end this end this business relationship. Uh so ninjack, I, I love I, I just love this here. Like I love that it seems like we're poised for the big fight. Ninjack's like, all right, well, I'm taking off because I tried to reason with you, so I'm not sticking around. Bye. And Ninja just takes off. Uh because anyway, he said he thinks he knows where to find her now. He basically I, I don't know how exactly, but something that Goru said it, it not Goru, but something that Michiku said it tipped off Ninjak to know uh where she was. Um so basically he does know where she was, so he's gonna take off and uh, just as he's taken off, uh, choppers are arriving or choppers are following him. So, uh, again, just like in the first arc, things are happening as you might say, fast, fast and furiously uh, as the pace, I just like that there's no wasted time. There's no wasted scene. Like every scene either teaches us something or is even like the battle scenes. Like I described that battle there and all, but it was really only a page. It's like a big splash panel of him, of him coming in and then you see a couple panels of him fighting and that's all you really need. So I like that the action is there. It's meaningful, but it's not 10 pages. You know, I don't need 10 pages of action. Everything is meaningful. Everything is important.
2: You're not rating ninjack because you want like stellar literary fiction like from Alan Moore or something like that.
1: Although I would love to see Alan Moore get a run with Ninja. Uh,
2: I th- I think that might be a bridge too far. You
1: never know. Alan Moore can do some interesting things that you're not expecting at times. Hey, I, have, you read, have you ever read his
2: Supreme run? Yeah. I've got Supreme issue zero.
1: Fan or not fan of, of Alan Moore's Supreme specifically?
2: It's good. It's just not my type of book. Maybe it's just a taste thing. Yeah, because it is my like. I love that. No, it's it's good. Like objectively, it's a really good run. It's just not something that when I think of you know what I want to pick up today, I want to pick up Supreme. It's just not that. It's not there.
1: Yeah, but it's also very different than a typical like. I would like that is so different than Swamp Thing, and that's why I just I think Alan Moore. Alan Moore had an interesting Wildcat's run as well. Like Alan Moore finds ways to bring his style and his unique take to different books, but but it's not like. I feel like he's, he's not very repetitive. Like he really brings original ideas to books. I
2: think people want to take like super, like, you know, sensationalized characters and they want to try and make them seem like smart or intelligent in terms of how they write the stories. And when you do that, kind of like what you had with the, with the Valley entertainment run of Ninjak in 2012, 2013, it just comes off as off putting. I just want Ninja violence. Just give me Ninja violence. Well, that we
1: certainly do get as we ed- head into issue four here. And like I said, didn't take long. Joe Casada no longer present. Suddenly, we go from Mark Moretti on as writer and and Joe Casada pencils to Mark Moretti writer slash penciler on issue four. Before we just get into the story here, I just want to get your thoughts on the transition from Joe Casada to Mark Moretti because I have my own, but but well, I'll, I'll I'll get yours before I give you my own.
2: I wish Casada has stayed. I feel like, you know, he's shown us a really good depth of uh, him taking things from like, you know, super action to just everyday conversations. He has a pretty good depth as an artist and when the transition comes around to the new guy I'm not saying that he's bad compared to Casada but you know I'm very used to uh, a certain thing when I when I read this book now if it had been the other way around I'd probably be saying the exact same thing with all that said mm-hmm. I I think the book is lesser because Casada left And maybe that's the detriment of the new artist that comes on, but it's it's just how the cookie crumbles.
1: I gotta say, just in terms of the fact that Mark Moretti signed up for this book as writer with to pair with Joe Casada as penciler. And then as they were getting realizing the deadlines weren't going to happen, he stepped his ass up and penciled the thing himself. And I, I don't I have looked and he does not have an extensive penciling background professionally prior to this. So to me, I, I'm just impressed that Mark Moretti stepped up to pencil his own book. And yeah, this I, I'm not going to say this art is is up to par of Joe Cassada's art, but it's not so far off par that it, that it, you know, took, it took away from me. Like I could definitely tell the difference. I,
2: I'll, I'll push back on this and we've covered this when okay. we covered Frank Miller's 300 and a couple other mm-hmm. storylines where the artist was the writer. Can an artist be a writer for the same book? Absolutely. It's been done a million times and those people make all the money in the world. So who am I to judge? But it just because you can, doesn't always mean you should.
1: Fair enough. I mean, it's only one issue we get of, of Mark. Here. So I, I think he just, he just filled in the gap because he had to. So just from the human angle, I'm impressed. Yeah. Like, yes, is this, am I going to objectively rate this art as high as Joe Casado? No. no, but considering how bad it could have been considering the situation, I think it's pretty good. They make it work. Yeah 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 they make it work i, I guess that, that's where i'm going with that but heading into issue four uh let's see uh yeah basically it was okubu's farm where they were staked out so it turns out okubu actually was hiding basically faked the kidnapping of his own daughter and was actually holding her in hiding uh this whole time so uh goro goro and um and okubu they show up there as well and uh and basically that that is what leads to the, everybody following them there in the first place because the yakuza are chasing uh okubu and, and the whole crew so now they find their way there. And basically, Ninjak has to explain to this idiot Goru that, that he's just a pawn here in this whole thing. He's like, Okubu is just using you to eliminate all his enemies while holding his own daughter kidnapped. So so Goru is in love with Mashiku as well. So he is working for uh for his her father, uh killing his enemies, threatening them, and demanding the daughter back. But this whole time it was actually Okubu who had kidnapped his own daughter, not even kidnapped, was just holding her to create this whole story and to use Goro. To use Goro's love um, to for her to basically use him to eliminate all his opponents, and after all this shit, after all this fucking shit, Ninjak still saves this guy from fucking assassins after this, after this, from the assassins that, that catch up with what him. Been like um, you're on your own, bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's. I mean, ninja is, you know. I mean, he's he's dedicated. He's loyal beyond beyond fault, I guess at this point. Uh, and basically, they escape through some tunnels. He's
2: got like Wolverine levels of honor. Like I I, I always yeah. think it's funny when you take like these Western characters. It's like the Shogun uh, archetype of like the Westerner that winds up in like feudal Japan. I mean, you see that with mm-hmm. Shogun. You see that with Wolverine by Frank Miller. Um, you see that kind of here. It's like this Westerner who has adopted the ninja lifestyle. He he's honorable to a fault. I like that. I dig it.
1: Indeed. I dig it as well. Yes, he he is indeed honorable to a fault. He's saving the guy that has tried to have him killed multiple times in in this same day. Um, Yeah, but, um, and then Goro, as they're kind of uh, trying to escape here, uh, Goro wants to work with ninja to take out that Matsuda guy. Once once he realizes what's going on here, he's like, I'm gonna take this motherfucker out. I would be more pissed with Okubu for kidnapping the woman I love and using me to eliminate your enemies, but you know, Goru's quick to let bygones be bygones. He's, he's still on mission here. He still wants to take out this Masuda guy. Uh, at the same time, the Japanese Secret Service is alerted uh, to this whole situation. Um, Ninjak is also noting, like, something feels off with, with Goru. Like, what's going on with him here? Um, but he's like, well, I guess he seems to be on my side now, so I will just uh, I will just team with him. So they team up, and they're, you know, fighting ninjas, etc. And uh, Ninja ninja actually has to, to take out, I think that's actually uh, No, ninjack has to take out this guy uh, who is about to, like, shoot down this chopper because it would blow the whole place up if he didn't um finally um uh, there's this blood like, um, um, Michiku, the daughter. Anyway, I think I keep mixing up the daughter's name and the senator's name, but whatever. Um, she finds this blood. She's like, Oh blood. And then a few pages later, we find out that that blood was Goro's the whole time. And, uh, he's actually threatening. He's like just as He's threatening, uh, threatening Okubu, the Senator. He's saying, you know, you, all these men killed needlessly. You lied about Michiku. You're disgraced even by Yakuza standards. And then Goro just, just falls over, uh, because turns out he took a pretty nasty, uh Bullet earlier, and uh, it turns out he was actually protecting uh, protecting machiku and and took a bullet for her. So this guy's actually we're learning here has some freaking honor here. Uh, so they're trying to um, uh, patch patch him up and everything when this when the Japanese secret service shows up. And what a freaking guy, by the way. Goru, talk girl. about a, a redemption arc. Talk about a redemption arc in a short amount of time. One, one, one minute, this guy's chopping off heads. Next minute, not only did he earlier protect Mashiku, even though she's not really into him and, and everything, but you know uh, he protects her, takes a bullet for her. He then offers to take the rap for this entire situation. He's like, I'll just say it was me fighting with the Yakuza. We can protect, protect, the, protect the sender uh, and the whole thing. And uh, so, I mean, what a guy here. But uh, basically, takes takes off and and goro ninjak and, and goro both take off like we see goro driving away on Ninjack's bike and ninjak got out who the fuck knows now ninja style i don't know if he's supposed to be like it was, it was oh no they're actually on the these, some of the art this is okay this is one point where maybe the art isn't as, as fine and detailed as it would be you got to look closely but ninjak is actually driving the motorcycle with goro holding his back uh, like a cute little couple there they're driving oh off. wow he's like the ultimate simp Yeah, it's hard to see there because his Ninjax is the same color as his own bike. So it's kind of like he's He's
2: riding on the back of the motorcycle of his girlfriend's boyfriend
1: (laughs) (laughs) talking (laughs) about getting cocked.
2: Anyway, so they take off
1: um, and uh, Matsuda knows he'll see Ninjak again because of course he will, because we are we are laying laying seeds here. But then the power goes out and uh yeah you're damn right you're gonna see him again because he's here now <laughs> ninjak has showed up at matsuda's house and uh he is kicking more ass he's cutting off arms goro is there too so they took the fight right to this Matsuda guy they did not uh, just wander off uh you know sail off into the sunset here goro is about to kill matsuda but ninjak stops him why because bros got honor bros got shogun honor <laughs> <laughs> we then find out that I mean, maybe that's the cold open uh we then find there out that uh, this matsuda guy uh they know each other so well because he's goro's half brother I make mean, us why not um and then in the epilogue uh we find out that okubu has can like Mishiku basically goes to ninja and she's like she- he's like because i he's like oh you're gonna come with me now like back to back to England or whatever to be with me. He's like, she's like, no, no, my, I found out my, my, my dad has cancer and that's why he's acting like such a dick. Uh, so I'm not going to go. <laughs> so that's it's the, the cancer.
2: It wasn't always just this terrible personality. Yeah.
1: He wasn't just a piece of shit. It's because of the cancer. So suddenly she's not going to go back with him. So Colin King, still a bachelor ladies. Don't worry. Um, again, another pretty quick, pretty to the point two issue arc. What'd you think of this follow up to the first two issue
2: arc? The, the story really makes the artwork um work in this situation. Usually it's the artwork that carries a story. In this case, I think the story and everything going into it was actually pretty interesting. What we've seen is that this has been, you know, from, from the first arc to the second arc, it's continually rising in its action and its thrills. And I love it. A lot of stories, you know, like th- there's a big break in it, especially when you have a change in who's the artist, or you have a change in who's the writer. This is pretty consistent. Now for this one, it, it was, you know. They they have the same writer. The writer was the artist for this one. But uh I, I I enjoyed it.
1: I did as well. And uh moving on to issue five. This is where we're gonna meet Remzo's uh one of Remzo's favorites, 90s Exo Mana War. And we dive right into the action as it appears Ninjak is attacking Eric of Dacia. He's saying, Welcome home, Dashia. Not a Dacia. smart idea,
2: not a smart idea. I like that we always start with like
1: like pretty like with a kind of like a cold open. We just kind of get into the action and we figure out what's going on later. That's kind of a staple of these books, which I really enjoy. Oh, by the way, Mark Moretti, that was just one issue. Fill in for him. We have now moved on to a new penciler who they must have found in the interim. Uh, this is Kevin Kobasic. I have no idea what else he's done. I'm not about to look it up, but I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, so Exo Manowar, or I shouldn't say Exo Manowar. It's Eric of Dacia. He's fighting as himself. That's what's cool about this character. He's a badass without the armor, and he's just fighting off all of these ninjas who all look like Ninjak. And um, some we, we see that after this whole battle here, um, he's he's here with his chick there, who's, uh, um, I don't know her name in, in this one that uh sean oh no Shanhara's name of the armor i don't know what this chick's name is but anyway it's exo Wars lady he has to finish the job by taking on the Shanhara armor because there were just too many fake ninjack ninjas here and uh this guy is watching sometimes a
2: barbarian just needs to take you down himself <laughs>
1: yeah exactly he's got to get the job done Uh, exo style and uh, yeah he's basically like yeah uh, I want to get my own place again this is I don't like it out here (laughs) and and this guy's watching over the whole thing he's like yes sir pretty much went down like he thought it would no he left but a woman came out of the house should I bring her in for Okay, yes sir, I'll return immediately. Um so something's going on here. We don't know what. Uh we then go and we see Colin King who is at Orb Industries in New York. Now, one difference between 90s um 90s Ninjack and uh, not 90s Ninjack, 90s EXO and today is eventually um EXO uh, um, Manowar takes control of this company, which I think was originally run by Spider Aliens. So in the, in the current in the current Valiant universe, uh, the aliens that kidnap Eric of Dacia, that he steals the armor from, those the are vine. called the Vine. In uh, this version, it's a little more uh, barbaric. They're just called spider aliens <laughs> in this in this '90s Valiant. But uh, I believe like some of them sort of like ran this company, and then at some point, because I think EXO had already been around for like a year and a half at this point. Uh, when did Ninja, he become Ninja
2: like a majority stockholder something or something like that? Yeah, I, I, he, I know very little about this about this version. It's
1: something like that.
2: Yeah, basically, he ends up by by
1: this point in his story, he is in control of or. Industries as Eric of Dacia somehow. Um so that, that's basically what happens. How that comes about, I don't know. Maybe that will be a, a future story.
2: Well may- maybe they thought that he was just being eccentric, like the artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Eric of Dacia. It's a cool name. But CEO, Spider Alien Industries.
1: <laughs> but uh yeah, that, that's his day job. He's not like publicly known as as Exo Manor.
2: He's publicly well, how known How would you work? Like, like, does he actually work? Like does he go in and like, you know, go to deal board with like yeah. deal with budgets. <laughs> I do not know what this calculus is <laughs> that you determine these things. So let's go kill our competition.
1: We have to find this like ancient Visigoth warrior suddenly in charge of this like giant corporation. But
2: anyway, could you imagine like a version of the office with your CEO, <laughs> Eric of Dacia, <laughs> and then the spider <laughs> aliens? Like are the spider <laughs> aliens <laughs> people or do, or do they have humans there?
0: Mm, I don't
2: or think- are they or are they like the vine in the current comics where they where they can become humans?
1: You know, these are all questions that I could make up the answers to, but I'm not actually sure because I don't.
2: I, I didn't really I
1: follow. That. I I did read some ninjack, <laughs> I did read some XO, but I didn't read it right right from the beginning. It doesn't
2: um, stick around for long, so does not really matter.
1: Yeah, it doesn't stick. This version doesn't <laughs> stick around all that long, sadly enough. Uh, I would like to go back and read and reread uh, this uh, this Exo one, one as well. So maybe that's the next uh, next Valiant '90s title I'll, I'll dig into.
2: We're coming for you, Spider Aliens. Um,
1: but uh, Colin King, not ninjack, Colin King is actually having a meeting at Orb Industries in new york for whatever reason and uh, as he's talking he's like uh, wouldn't you rather we wait for mr dashia i was advised i would be able to speak with him particularly but uh, eric busts in to this meeting uh, and he's basically like hey ken this this ken guy ken i need to talk to you now he's like oh shit eric where you been i've been trying to reach you we got this meeting here he's like he's like it can wait uh, he's like well mr king he traveled here all the way from and they just, they just leave like eric busts out of the office because he just got attacked by a bunch of ninjas you know
2: have he not knows zoom
1: yeah, and uh, basically, he, he finds out that Orb Industries. Uh, well, we we go back to earlier when uh, when Colin King is on the way here. But uh, basically, um, uh, he's we find out that Orb Industries being overrun by like all these lawsuits, and there's there's hackers involved. It's a whole thing. But of spider course, spider aliens. Of course, who's the hacker? The hacker? It's Colin King. Hacker's freaking Ninjack. He's up to what, some tricks. What? We don't know what. No, the hackers are not. Spider aliens are not advanced enough to hack. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not actually sure. We'll see. We, we will see. Sir,
2: Mr. Viking CEO, they're asking for Bitcoin. <laughs> they will shut down their pipelines. This is well before that time. <laughs> um, but yeah basically uh,
1: I, I love there's this point where like um, where uh, Eric Adesia is back there and he's he, he like finds out they're hacking and he tries to get at the hackers through the armor like the arm like Shanahara armor like tries to go into he's like I'll get these hackers and it tries to go into like the computer and find the hackers which I, I just found uh,
2: you know I just realized Shanhara is a combination of kit from Knight Rider and the extremist from Iron Man
1: yeah uh, I guess so
2: that adds nothing to the story. I just wanted to say it out loud. Fair enough.
1: That's why you're here to add nothing to the story. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, basically, we, we find out that Ninjack is on on some kind of mission here. We're not exactly sure, but he is. He's trying. He's been trying to get this freaking meeting uh, with Eric of Dacia uh, because he's been investigating some other shit. Well, we get an idea of what he might be investigating because suddenly we see in this like underground facility um, that we see. Dr. Freaking Silk. Just a few issues later, I guess he didn't die in the Blackwater. We also get a glimpse of this kind of like monster in the corner. He gets walked in on. This Caruso guy uh, walks in. He's like, Caruso, I told you not to disturb me. And he's like, oh, gross. What? What is that thing? Uh, and we just see this like kind of monster with like a helmet on just like growling. He's like, oh, yeah, would you like would you like to meet my friend here? And he's like, uh, this is you know, our new
2: MLM mascot. <laughs> yeah,
1: This is our new. There's our new top makeup salesman. Um, so, yeah, he, he's recruited
2: five of his friends.
1: Yeah, basically, we learned Dr. Silk is alive and He's hiding, uh, he's got some kind of monster there, basically. Um, So that's what's going on with Dr. Silk. Um, Yeah, and basically, we go back to Colin King who is I'm just trying to kill time while something weird happens on my computer so I can get back to my notes all right uh, we go back and, and Ninjak now as ninjack, Ninjak is inside Orb Industries uh, trying to do some more espionage shit he's used a, a repeating frame the old re- repeating frame video trick to uh, to beat the security system uh, and then he, he started he basically realizes there's something like watching him he's like what is what is that it's not connected to anything but he like he realizes it's a camera and he realizes he's being watched uh, and uh, Exo at the same time is searching for the bill and, and it is it is really basically a piece of Shanhara that has found Ninjack. It's basically like a you know it's a little piece that broke off and it was like basically a roving camera. Um, and 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 uh, Eric just says another of these bandits. And I'm like, bro, not quite. This is not one of the, your run of the mill bandits. Uh, but Exo catches up to Ninjack and it, it is superhero fight time. But Ninjack, being the gadgety ding, ding. ninja he is, he sets off these flash grenades so he temporarily buys himself a little time against the obviously much powerful uh, Exo manor, or temporarily blinds him. Uh, uh, Ninjack knows his name. He's like, he's like, he's like, oh, I know you're Eric of Dacia. He's like, oh, you know my name. He's like, wait, but wait, those other ninjas knew my name too, so you probably still are my enemy. But then Ninjak like, comes clean. He takes off his mask even. He reveals, like, he's Colin King. He's like, he's like, hey, I'm Colin King. I was here in your office earlier. I'm actually here to help, and you've been set up. And right as there, he's explaining this to them, uh, we see this guy uh, who I think is Fitzhugh that we're seeing. Uh, he sets, he presses a button, and it sets off this bomb, and as this bomb uh, goes off, uh, Ninjak actually kicks Eric. Ninja, talk about this guy, this man of Honor kicks Eric of Dashi away, knowing he'll be fine with the armor. Kicks him away from the bomb uh, as he just falls down, and we see Ninjack fall away, bro. Yeah. So, what do you think of the first meeting here of, uh, in the at least first '90s meeting of uh, Ninjack and your buddy Exo Man, or Eric of Dashia? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I probably should have gone back and read a little bit of Exo of War for this one. This one was almost too much of a departure from from what I was accustomed to. So I almost had to see it as an entirely it different It seemed like character. you kind of if you didn't know who Exo
1: is going in this it, it would have been a little confusing.
2: Yeah, I mean this is just this is not um the the Matt Kind's Exo. It's it's not like it's still like you could see you could see that it is, but it's not that Eric that I've, you know, I, I've I've fallen in love with as a character. So, I mean, I, I think it was still good. It was still uh, interesting enough to uh, to keep my interest. I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, early returns, and I still have to go back and and reread some some '90s EXO. But early returns, I'm gonna say I like uh, I like '90s Ninjack better, but I like uh, Matt Kent 2012 EXO Man better, just as an overall character.
2: I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. If only we could have both. If only we could have both. If only.
1: Maybe there'll be a crossover nineties nineties Valiant versus uh modern day valiant someday.
2: Hey man, wait till Jonathan Hickman touches that <laughs> and then we're gonna see universes uh, gonna colliding and graphs.
1: We're gonna have like EXO and Ninjack both sleeping with the same chick in the same
2: room. No, no, no. no. Goro and Jack yeah. and what's her name are all gonna have conjoined rooms. <laughs> Goro's gonna and come back, and they're never gonna talk about it. They're just gonna be cool with it.
1: It'll never be mentioned again.
2: Hashtag the Hickman Cuckling. Yes.
1: Uh when Hickman gets a hold of the Valiant Universe let me see second print comics moving on to issue number six
2: this is why i'm surprised when he did fantastic four he never had a weird thing between like reed richards namor and and uh sue Su richards like, I, bet he, actually I, bet shocking. He, I bet he wanted to do i bet he wanted to do that and they're like no no you cannot cuck reed they're you like can't save do that. it
1: for scott summers because no one hate you know no one nobody likes cyclops but nobody's cucking reed <laughs> uh we start with issue six We have another new artist, Louis Small Jr. Again, none of these guys stand up to Joe Quesada's work. I will definitely not say that. And and I don't know. This this is you. I feel like the art took a little bit more of a dive because it's harder. Like Colin King just looks different in every issue. That's my biggest thing between the artists. His
2: face has no consistency. Yeah, exactly.
1: You just know he's Colin King because he's like wearing the ninja outfit. But when they actually show his face, it's really inconsistent across the different artists. That's the most jarring part of, of the whole thing. But at the same time, I will say like none of these artists are as good as Joe Quesada. And I'd actually say this Louis Small is, is probably the worst of them, the least good of them. I, I think the art suffered more when, when he came the on. The least interested. goodest. Yeah. yeah. Least goodest, that's a term. Uh yeah, I'm a professional podcaster, sort of. Uh but you know, it it's it's all good enough. You know what I mean? Like n- it never got so bad that it, it 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 took obviously by this point, by issue six, I know I'm not looking at Joe Casado's art anymore, so it's not as good, but it's it's serviceable. I'll say that. I, I think the art remains serviceable that's what awesome. it could be gooder it could be gooder could be much gooder um yeah so basically ninjack is just having a blast from from the from the first panel page he's falling down this ele- elevator shaft and is looks like he ha- he's having a good time and eric is flying after him he's like hang on king and he's like i don't have much of a bloody choice Dasya he's just having fun falling on this ele- elevator shaft uh but uh it all works down he's actually falling yeah off the chrysler building while uh while exo manor chases chases him um and, uh, yeah. And ninjack basically he reveals like, yeah, I know you're Exo man of war and, you know, Ninjak they're, they're having a little conversation. He knows about all the lawsuits and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, he's got this, but did you know and... about
2: the spider aliens in HR? <laughs> mm.
1: And he says, uh, you know, wh- you know, f- wh- why do you care? Is what he's saying? Like, why are you even involved in this? He's like, well, for one thing, what they're doing is wrong. For another, my dear friend, if they can do this to orb industries, they can do this to anyone. And he's holding this disc here. So, you know, Ninjak, Well, basically, I think Ninjak knows who's behind this stuff. And, you know, that's what he does. He chases down these these bad guys. This is all we're all wrapped up here. Uh, Basically, Ninjak is hacking away at a a lead. Uh, Oh, I I skipped something here. I skipped uh, where we we once again uh, see Dr. Silk. And it turns out, of course, of course he does. Uh, Dr. Silk actually wants to get wants to acquire this of Manowar armor because of course he does it's a super pow- super powerful weapon he's a super scary gross bad guy uh, meanwhile his monster uh, kills this Caruso guy so it is it is not the best role in to be in to be uh, second hand man if you're if you're silk's right hand man fits you see has seemed pretty safe throughout this whole thing but whoever the next guy is that guy is the one that gets fed to spiders and monsters and gets blamed for everything that goes on uh, basically so if you're going to be in this MLM you got to get high up you got to get re- you really got to be the number two or else you're super super expensive
2: if you're not recruiting on the daily you're doing something wrong
1: hey always be selling always be recruiting that is the goal here um yeah so uh, basically uh ninjak we go back to ninjak and uh him and exo mandor they're just they're hacking away at this lead and they basically uh they end up at this hindu society of of something or other building uh so they basically just break into this to and the seat kind of like is like hey what are you guys doing he's got this like shotgun there and they're, they're like dude come on we're i'm a ninja i'm ninja and this is exo man War. like you're not taking this down with a shotgun um but um and um let's see yeah so i forget what they find in here um they find something and they basically what do they find here uh they oh they find this i don't know what they find i'm gonna move on because because my notes aren't clear enough I'm, I'm gonna have to read it good already. deal but they find something let's put it that way they find a hint it's a thing man the thing yeah. And, um, and of course, again, I write idiot fits you thinks Ninjak is dead again because he's like, oh yeah, I saw Eric of but, uh, you know, we know Ninjak fell down the elevator shaft. So he's dead. I'm like, you fucking idiot. You didn't learn from last time. He's not dead till you have the fucking body. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Silk is fucking with spiders because that's what Dr. Silk does. Fucks with spiders. He's doing weird spider shit. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, they in uh, basically Ninjak and um Ninjak and Exo Manowar they find some in, intel, um on this uh underground uh, layer like buried 100 feet underground. So they figure out quickly that is Silk's underground layer. Um. So they show up and uh, they they do some fighting. They do some. We get some more action here. They they bust right into this layer. Uh. Silk. Uh. They they're you know these ninjas these ninjas were all training just to defeat Ninjak. Ninjak realizes so Ninjak is tied up with all these these like fake Ninjak ninjas. Uh. Meanwhile. Uh, dr silk is trying to escape down this rail car uh but exo Manowar catches up to him and it appears maybe silk dies again but probably not because he's kind of so sorta not really if you don't again if you don't see the body you're probably not dead meanwhile ninja he beats all these uh ninjas but now he's got a deal with this monster thing and this monster thing is a spider alien as we find out when exo manowar shows up and he's like Holy shit! You you just killed a fucking spider alien. That's pretty impressive, man. I need this armor to kill those things. Uh, so I think I think uh, Ninjack, through his valiant defeat of this spider alien, has uh, has earned Exo Wars trust and respect, which is all nice to see. Uh, and basically, all is good. Ninjack goes back and uh, gives his report to to Neville and Sinclair, uh, but he he doesn't tell Neville. He says, "I'm not going to tell Neville about the armor and the alien. I'm going to leave that part out. Some stuff I got to keep to myself here." So I like that that Ninjack he works for Neville, but he works for himself. You know, he, he goes on missions. He was sent by Neville to you know, go into Orb and help out Exo Manowar and stop stop Doctor Silk from you know trying to acquire the Exo Manowar armor. Uh, but he's also got his own agenda going on. He 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 made a new pal with Exo, so he doesn't want to give him up. So, what do you think of this this last uh, arc here before we get into the origin
2: issue? You know, this is a fun series. It's fun. There's nothing about it that I I look at and I'm like, I'm not interested in this. This isn't fun. This is this is. This is comic book goodness. It's nothing too fancy. Like, you know, it's not the most like highbrow comic uh, out there, especially in terms of the stuff that we've recently reviewed. But it's just fun. This is why you read comics. It just delivers. They never let you get
1: bored at the end yeah. of the day. Uh, that, that's what it is. Like all these are two issue arcs that tell a story that a lot of other writers would stretch out in six issues. Like if this were some other writers, this would, we'd buy an issue 18 right now after being through the third arc, just because that's how they do it.
2: Oh, and they, and they would have had like a secondary story as like a backup or like exactly, between yeah. panels. Yeah, And
1: then we'd have, you know, six other characters we're learning about along the way, which is fine. I like the long, slow builds too, but, and this, but this is doing that. That's what's great. Like this is planting a lot of seeds along the way as we get through stories that never let you you get bored you don't even have a chance to get bored there's some action we we get the story and then we move on and it, it's really it's it's really what comics should be <laughs> comics should never have you get, get getting bored and uh this this book certainly does not let you get bored yeah so now we move on to issue number zero and now we are back to mark moretti as writer and penciler and i think at this point i i, I at least personally before we really get into the story i noticed i, I think we have a market improvement uh in the art of mark moretti because i think you can tell this is not like issue four where suddenly he's rushing to, to meet a deadline on this book that he thought he was just writing like this is a book he actually had more time to put into because i think he was able to put the time into that while bringing those other artists on board uh so i believe this is the actual order these issues came out and i think it's actually going to make sense why these zero issues came out after these first three arcs uh but we start off it's where it, we are in um 1984 and uh, we see Dr. Silk talking to Fitzhugh. And um, he basically, this is just all setting up story time because Dr. Silk is going to tell a story. This is a story about a guy named Charles Silkowski, who was his dad. So we then go to 1950, and we see this guy, Charles Silkowski, who's, who's abusing his wife, uh, abusing his son, who's apparently obsessed with spiders of some kind, uh, beats the shit out of his son who, and, and, and the wife, who eventually, this, this kid runs away. He grabs him as he's running outside, uh, steps outside, but it's raining, and uh the dad here charles so slips in the rain and uh crashes back through this window through this like pet store and uh, as uh charles or not not charles uh augustus i think is his name yeah augustus yeah. walks in uh he's like um he's like man when i get my hands on you oh ow ow i'm cut and this this little psycho kid just, just very bluntly states it's your femoral artery dad you're bleeding to death and he's just like don't stand there you moron go get help or Allah all uh, uh uh and and as as this is happening uh as he's bleeding to death here this little spider we see this black widow spider starts to walk upon him and um augustus who is clearly uh been obsessed with spiders, been a fan of spiders he immediately recognizes it as a as a um as the black widow and he just stands there and watches as his black widow uh as his black widow bites his dad and his dad bleeds to death so that is a, a brief origin of the uh, at least the childhood version uh, of dr silk here so what do you think of the just the decision to start this off this ninja origin story but we actually start off with seeing a glimpse of of dr silk what do you think about that
2: yeah, you know what they say, Mark, your hero is only as good as the villain. And, I, you know, if they had started with this earlier in some issues, like what a lot of comics are trying to do when they start with a new character and they really want to build them up by building the villain up, I probably would have been like, this isn't the time for it. But we've already had enough going in that this seems appropriate and that we've already you know come to understand who this guy is in the past couple arcs. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're actually taking a step back now. So I think the timing makes it perfect.
1: Yeah, it really works with the flow of the story to have this origin issue as after we've seen the events of the first uh six issues here because it all really does tie in together and then it 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 it, it makes perfect sense why they laid out the story in this way why these issues came out in the order they did uh but we, we then we then go to 1959 uh young neville still in a wheelchair so i guess he's been in a wheelchair for quite some time this is a colonel neville alcott like in here in 1959 he's about the same age as he is in modern valley just to give some perspective here
2: he's like professor x always crippled and bald
1: he's always been crippled except and not bald though neville has yeah um or else he would just look like professor x basically he'd look like british professor x um gosh damn it colin so we see that neville is with this guy jonathan uh, who's apparently an agent that works for him in like the British Secret Service, and this guy Jonathan is very interested in this woman, Miss um, uh, Harland, uh, and uh, he, he's like he's basically talking about this mission. He's like, well, you know, hey, if you're going to have me on this mission where I'm going to have to marry some, marry some, uh, marry some lady, and over time inject her with these things and and uh, do this whole experiment, like at, at least let me choose the one. He's like that's he's like that's the one I want. And he's like, look, I agree in principle, Jonathan, but just. Just, uh, Miss Harlan here is a bloody pistol. So just, just anyone but her, okay? So clearly, you know, th- there's some secret mission here and he's gonna have to like woo some, some harlot wants this one, but for whatever reason, uh, Neville doesn't want want him to go after this one specifically. Um, so this this woman goes up to this uh, this guy Lord Blacksland, and um, we don't really know what their deal is, but uh, it seems like they had some kind of romance. But suddenly she is threatening him. She's basically like threatening to reveal their romance because he's this lord and he's I guess he's been having an affair uh, with this woman. He's like you agreed to keep this discreet, and he's like well things changed my lord. And uh, on the he's like well that much is certain. You've made sure it's time to cut our losses. And she says on the contrary my lord this time there's a price to pay for your indiscretion. So I guess there's just been some some chicanery going on uh, behind the scenes here, and she's about to uh, she's threatening to basically reveal uh, their relationship. Uh, you know,
2: man, he just need to grow some balls like the Clintons and just take him out.
1: Yeah, you just got to take him out, man, Hillary style. Come on, um, but Jeffrey uh, yeah. Epstein
2: didn't kill himself. Please move on.
1: And it, it threw me off for a minute, but later I understood the whole thing. But she calls him Colin, and for a second I was like, "Wait, is that Colin?" And I was like, "Oh wait, no, this is 1959. That wouldn't make sense to be Colin." So, but keep that in mind because it's not it's not random that that this guy's named Colin, Colin back uh, Lord Colin Baxland. Uh, so, uh, but Neville and Jonathan they're kind of walking around this this party, this hotel, this uh, this mansion here, and they see they find this waiter dead, and they're like, "Oh," and his uniform is missing. He's like, "Oh god, the threats again." Because they're there because there were threats against uh, the Duke's son, this Lord Baxland guy. Uh, uh, so they go out onto the balcony where they find this Lord Baxlin arguing with this chick and he slaps her this Baxlin, this bastard he slaps this chick uh meanwhile this butler guy is there and he's uh, he's going to cover uh he says he's going to cover up for Baxlin killing her he's like he's like you saw what happened right he's like yes sir uh, she she tried to kill you and you just defended yourself and he's like yeah that's what happened um so uh but as this is all going down uh this Irish guy that is there and because he's uh because this is you know there's some shit going on with uh, northern Ireland. In Ireland and, and the British government, if any of you have followed that over the last you know, 80 years or so. Uh, so he's there to assassinate uh, Lord Braxton. Somebody uh, called Bono. But just in the right time, uh, he is intervened on by we find out is Captain Jonathan King who intervenes and takes the hand uh, at the same time. He, he saves Lord Braxton, but then takes the hand of this Miss Harland, and it does seem that a, a romance is kindling between those two. So even though Neville told him to stay away uh, through this intervention, uh, he has ended up wooing this this uh, this Miss Harland uh, right off the bat here. So he didn't he didn't exactly follow his orders. Uh, we then uh,
2: go move over to Swap Japan. in the streets, Ninja in the sheets.
1: Yeah, basically they. <laughs> they they are sent as this uh, on this mission in Japan at the uh, they were at the British embassy in, in Tokyo. And we find out you know she's pregnant and they have been injecting her with something. Uh, we find out this through uh, we're, we're now kind of being narrated by Jonathan's journal here. And basically they've been injecting her with this thing that is supposedly to help with the pregnancy. But it's really a part of this British program to uh, basically create super genetic babies essentially so this is really uh, about the baby uh but it's uh he's just telling her that it's those injections to make the baby healthier essentially but uh, that's not exactly what's going on um so this guy Abnet shows up at their house and he he's all uh he's all uh he's all fucked up we don't know what happened to him he's like oh i was a prisoner of iwatsu uh the schwartz something or other he's like beware and then he dies so that guy's dead um and uh, yeah that was like um you know one of one of neville's like right hand man who i guess he was reporting to so Something's going on here, but no time to figure that out. Why? Because the baby's coming and it uh, turns out the baby is is premature, but it was born full term. So I think she was only like six months pregnant with a six pack, but out pops uh, this little kid who, of course, as a uh, little Colin King, if you haven't deduced that by now, uh, and um and Jonathan basically tells uh, Neville, like he's like he's like uh, Neville's really gonna be pissed, uh, but I'm keeping this kid and I'm naming it Colin and I'm staying in Japan. He's like, so Neville's gonna be pissed about all this stuff, but that's the way it is. So he basically lays it out to Neville. Neville has a shocked look on his face. Um, but yeah, the, the idea. What's interesting is how they named it Colin uh, and and you know, kind of kind of what that means uh, and why that would piss off Neville. So these are these are things you can think about in your mind because uh, it actually it, it actually went different directions. I, I had some different ideas, uh, but it, it all makes sense by the end. But I actually was wasn't exactly sure you know the reasoning understanding behind that um until later uh, and basically um jonathan does some poking around uh, just to figure out what happened to this guy uh, abnet he's meeting with this guy what's his name Musa, something or other anyway japanese guy uh um and who basically is he's basically his buddy who who's like Works behind the bar and who also knows stuff. So because he's a you know Jonathan is a British intelligent asset. So his uh, job is to make friends and uh, you know and and be intelligent. So he's talking to this this lady Kyoko and this other guy. His name will appear again at some point, but basically he's they're they're his sources and they tell him about uh, this Iwatsu character who's basically the bad yakuza guy behind some some bad shit essentially. Um, Meanwhile. We uh, take a little diversion here to learn about... Uh, we go back to uh, to this place called Bodine Electronics in La Jolla, California. And this guy, Dr. Bodine, we learn, is behind these experiments uh, with the babies and everything, with uh, injecting these things to create these other babies. And now we find out that, like, Neville, he has a wife now, and they have a, they have a baby who's... And they, they've been, you know, injecting the baby with this stuff. Or I don't know if we find out here. We might find out later, but it's kind of implied. Uh, and basically, uh, we then meet... Uh, dr bodine's uh a partner who is none other than dr augustus silkowski so we are now seeing the connections here uh as doctor as we are seeing dr silk again who's only like he must be like a doogie hauser because it was like i think it was no it came, i guess like 20 years later yeah so i guess he's probably in his 30s here uh but he seems to have ascended the ranks of science uh pretty quickly uh meanwhile jonathan king is who's kind of wrapped in some ninja s garb here that uh that is uh is like this Japanese friend gave him basically. He's like, you should wear something like this and uh, it'll save your and butt here. Uh, so he goes in, breaks into this Musashi chemical engineering plant, which is the you know the kind of the tip he was given. Uh, and um, King, <laughs> Colin King shows up, uh, gets past these guards. Uh, the one guard like thinks he's just he says, oh, forgive me, sir, because he's wearing a similar outfit to, I guess, that the ones that the other uh, you know the other ninja guys in the area wear. And uh, Ninja gets in and he breaks in and who is he see in the office? It's Neville Alcott. He's like, oh, Colonel Alcott. He's like, oh, that's that that bloody outfit's not standard issue for field agents, Captain. Assure me you haven't gone completely native before we discuss your current assignment. So uh, he's he's got got caught going off the reservation here, doing his own thing, uh, and getting caught up with uh, whatever Neville was doing here as well. So um, there's 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 chicanery, there's intelligence things going on. There's you know British intelligence mixing with Yakuza. Um, who knows where where it all where it all comes down to? But we learned that again, like I mentioned earlier, we learned that Neville has been taking the hope and glory injections as they're called along with his wife in order to save the program that's how they were able to save the entire program because they had put that on Jonathan King who was going to you know marry this Harland woman and, and, and kind of you know get a genetic baby through him um, but uh, they said like it didn't seem to have any effects on Colin King he's just yeah he seems super smart he does well in school uh, but but we're going to use him as the the comparison subject we want to keep Jonathan King here because uh, they're there and um, you know to compare it to our child and to kind of study them both but Jonathan King is like nope fuck off same in Japan so go to hell uh, we then see that picture uh, this is when we see the picture of the family they all take the picture there this is when we see the picture that we saw in the first issue that Neville was looking at that shows now we mm-hmm. know who was in that picture. It was Jonathan King, his wife, and his son, the young Colin King. Um, everything okay over there?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, no, it all just came. like there was a sp- all just all just came like full yeah. circle. Just now. I thought a
1: spider alien busted into your apartment. It like no,
2: there would be screams if that happened.
1: You just you just got hit by the whole the whole scope of the story.
2: Yeah, it's like some Christopher Nolan stuff. Not really, but yeah,
1: yeah. Um, um basically, uh, these um, let's see, uh, so. I got lost here. Oh, yeah. Uh, da, 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 some things happen oh yeah uh, we then go back to uh, j- back to Japan uh, where we see a young Colin King uh training or playing soccer with a young goro sonata so this little rivalry he's going and going back forever we even see Michiku there they're kind of flirty and uh, you know goro is you know the typical goro is the bully who likes his chick but the chick is into the nicer the nicer guy Colin King he's like don't push me goro and she's like Colin please don't so you know we just get the little glimpse of the teenage romance that was later paid off back Back in issues three and four um so and i like how that we're tying everything together so it makes it, it now makes us understand the story we've already seen uh even more deeply here um and uh let's see so yeah basically king uh he basically sees his dad like leaving the house he like sees this guy in ninja gear and he's like oh shit what's going on here and he thinks his dad has been kidnapped uh but it's not uh, he it, it's, it's actually he thinks his dad is like kidnapped by a ninja but then he follows his dad uh to this warehouse because he's still looking into stuff uh you know looking into this uh Uwatsu character and uh then his dad john the king gets jumped by all these ninjas uh gets his hand chopped off things are not looking good uh, i like it during during this Exchange with um with, with this Iwatsu guy. At one point, he says something. Uh, Jonathan says something that you definitely cannot say uh, in twenty twenty, but I'm going to say it because I'm just reading from a book. He he, he says, "Do it, son. He says, "You slant eyed bastard." <laughs> <laughs> Which man, you can say stuff in the nineties that you just can't say, and I'm not. I'm not laughing at what he said. I'm laughing at the fact that he said it. You see, there's a difference here, folks. Um,
2: and we t- the before times. it turns out
1: Col- little young Colin followed his dad there. Uh, and yeah, his dad's his dad's uh, hand's been chopped off and things are not looking good uh, for him at all. And then they realize they actually they also realize that young Colin King is there as well. Um, so, yeah, shit, shit is not going well. And this is this surprised me because I thought I was reading issue zero. And then I was like, oh, wait, next issue Ninjak issue zero zero so that they that they really dragged the zero issue thing out uh, into a, a second zero issue. But to me, it's justified because this is actually like a pretty deep, pretty good story. And it probably actually did need two issues uh, you know, based on the normal length of a comic back then. So what do you think of the first half of this this origin story here?
2: I'm digging I think it's appropriately timed, uh, given the fact that we've already had several story arcs behind it. So I like the fact that th- this is really, you know, a, a good a good place for people who might think, okay, how are they going to keep throwing him into these crazy situations and how is he going to get out of them? It's going to start becoming too predictable. This was a good change of pace.
1: All right. So we start off right off the bat, not in 1975 where we left off, but in 1979 at the Todaiji Temple in Nara, Japan, Colin King has showed up. And is fighting a bunch of ninjas. And uh, basically he says, says, I remember what you did to my dad. He's there uh, trying to fight Iwatsu. So then we go right on back to 1975 to see exactly what that was. And, uh, basically, uh, Jonathan King knows about their genetic program. So that's what he's been looking into. He's been looking into Japan's own genetic, uh, engineering kind of program. Um, and, uh, basically they, they kill, uh, Colin King. They kill, they kill Jonathan King. Uh, and then little Colin runs away, but she gets saved by this chick. This chick is Kyoku. So that, Kyoko, that is one of the, uh, people that Jonathan was talking to earlier that, like, gave him the intel about this, uh, genetic program or what have you. Um, so, and we also, uh, uh, yeah so they basically they take Jonathan uh, Colin King I should say they take Jonathan Colin man wow I did that twice I keep calling Colin this is like my episode the, the, not, the
2: not dead one Yeah, they take, the not dead one. They
1: take young Colin to this uh, temple basically uh, they're going to give him to this high priest and this high priest is like you want me to take care of this young Amer- like British boy like no I can't do that they can't have this gaijin here uh, but of course and they say well he's running from Iwatsu, so then he's like oh well come come right in because fuck, fuck that guy I'll take in anybody if they're against him
2: why didn't you just start with that
1: yeah. Why didn't you lead with that one? Talk about burying the lead. Fuck Iwatsu. Uh, so yeah, High Priest is going to basically take care of Colin King and uh, and raise him as his own. And uh, j- basically, we also learn uh, we have a cutaway scene here where we learn that uh, some the Japanese government is now aware, uh, the Japanese own secret service is now aware that Jonathan King was there and working as kind of a double agent. Uh, he's like, "But hey, I got their passports now, so uh, I guess we'll just hold on to these till this little kid Colin King till they turn up again." Um, so they're they're kind of being dicks about things when they're, when they're meeting with Neville here. They're basically like, "Yeah, we, we got your guys now." so you can't do anything about it because otherwise we're going to out that you guys had, you know, secret, secret agents here. Um, we then learn, uh, that Colin wasn't actually Jonathan's son. Uh, we learned that why he was named Colin in the first place and, and why that was upsetting to Neville. So it appears, and it all makes sense uh, now, when she, once she once you figure this out, cause she's, you know, this is through a conversation that Neville is having, having with, uh, um, with Jonathan's wife. He's like, you know, we, we can get you, we can get out of here, Catherine. Colin's bound to turn up. She's like, I'm not going anywhere without Catherine Alcott. You know, Jonathan would never leave Colin behind. And he, and he knew Colin wasn't even his son. And that's when Neville takes his glasses off. And that's when he realizes, now it, it threw me off a little bit cause they named him Colin. But what my understanding was is that. Neville, the reason this goes back to why Neville didn't want Jonathan to go after her is that he actually had a fling with her as well and was really into her himself. And so this explains the entire relationship between Neville and and Colin or why Neville kind of overlooks Colin because it actually is Neville who is Colin King's dad. Um, that's what I, I got from this. Because, but he didn't realize that until she said he knew that he knew that Neville wasn't his son or that, that Colin wasn't his son. And that's also why it would piss off. That's also why Jonathan knew it would piss off Neville to call him Colin because Neville was also upset because this, this Catherine chick was sleeping with Liz, Lord Baxland as well. Uh, so it was really it was rubbing salt in the wound to call this kid Colin Colin, who and, and you know, now especially now that he realizes this, that it is his son. So it's a whole it's a whole was thing. Colin the name. So Colin was the name of the lord that Harlan that this
2: chick was also sleeping. So with. Jonathan, who's hooking up with Neville's exactly her, he marries her but yeah. Yeah, he mar- well he marries her, but he goes ahead and names Neville's son after the other boyfriend. Yes,
1: and I I think that was to make Neville think that maybe it was that guy's kid and not his or something. That's I don't really understand it. So this is just my, me theorizing. They don't really explain it um that's some
2: eyes wide stuff eyes wide shut stuff right there or it there. is
1: lord Baxland's kid but why would they honor the guy it doesn't really make sense I don't really understand that part fully why they named him Colin that doesn't really make sense to name the this kid' is going,
2: this is fine past me yeah.
1: no, it's, it's a little weird but I think from Neville's reaction when she says he knew Colin wasn't even his son that's when you realize that like Neville realizes oh he's my son and that I think that does explain the way Man, that this chick is a hoe yeah really she's I mean not trying to shame here but you know uh, th- no, three guys no, in about shame. a week's time span here when they could have been any, this any is other time. This
2: is some justifiable social shaming.
1: I could have that wrong, but that's that's how I. That's what seems to make sense. From it explains Neville in the beginning why he's like, don't go after anybody but her, you know, because because that's the chick that he was actually you know had a thing with himself.
2: Uh, basically man
1: anyway so that's, that's what's going on there it's 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 almost Hickman-esque you could even say <laughs> um, but then we learn like all we get kind of recap like all these years like King is basically basically he spends his days sleeping and his nights like studying in the temple and learning ninja shit and going out and everything uh, we see a scene where Colin kind of bolts out of this uh, temple and he gets attacked by these ninjas but in uh, in a very like the danger room X-Men style it's just ninja training uh, from Kyoku and this this other guy whose name I just keep Keep not. Oh yeah, Master matsuoka That that's the guy's name. And uh yeah, they're just like they're basically like, oh Yeah, you're not gonna. You, know, you think you can take out ninjas like this? I'm like you idiot! Don't run away. You're still as dumb as the dog. There's a lot of references here to like Colin being like the dog. Like like they're always like. It's basically the idea is like the fa- the dog. But the families might love you. Like they might love you here in Japan, but they're always gonna look at you as the dog. They're always gonna know you're different. They're always gonna know you're just a gaijin essentially. Is is, is was like yeah. Be the
2: token white friend. Yeah.
1: Um. And uh. And after that, we see that uh. Colin. Uh, uh, meets up with Michiko so he secretly and, and, and he gets caught. Uh, you know, they, they figure out that he's doing this and they're, they're not too happy about it, but he's basically sneaking off because he could get caught here because he's supposed to be in hiding from this Iwatsu character this whole time. But he's uh, he's uh, you know, he's been sneaking off to see the, his love here, his, his teenage love, Michiko. She's not a teenager, teenager, teenager anymore but she was when they first fell in love. Uh, at the same time, we're getting a little more background. Uh, turns out CompSat, things are going well at CompSat with Dr. Bodine and, and uh, Goss's Silk's company. They, they've gone public, so that's nice. Uh, we also see Goro again. So everything's tying back together here. Goro has been captured, um, by, and uh, these ninja, and, and basically they're just like, interrogating goro here it's not goro doesn't have a huge role here um but he's a part of the story and you, and you kind of see that he's part of the background here uh and um yeah king basically at the end of the day uh colin king uh Kills these ninjas and is able to work his way uh to Iwatsu and is is kind of like brokering some deal between Iwatsu and the senator, uh Okubu, the, the mother of Machiko. And um it's it's not exactly sure what exactly deal is brokered here, but at the end of the day, basically um you know Colin is going to they're basically gonna protect the senator's wife, who is um uh, Machiko's mother, you know, the girl that Colin King's in love with, by letting her by letting oh they're gonna let I'm sorry, I messed it up. They're gonna let Colin King's mom live. <laughs> Essentially, they're like, you know, we can kill your mom. But we're going to let her live at the Japanese embassy because this Iwatsu guy is tied into Japanese security. That's why they took the passports, because they were covering up for this guy. So basically, Colin King kind of just makes this deal that he's going to take off to and leave Japan um, to protect his mother and let her stay there and, and live at the embassy. Um, but they say they, there's a line there, like they say like, he'll always be the dog. Uh, basically, so they, they're they always referencing how oh, he's just he's just a Gaijin. He's always going to be a dog. Uh, but yeah, he, he ends up leaving Japan to keep uh, his mother alive. Uh, later, we learned that the British completely disavowed Jonathan King after after his death. So it's kind of an insult. Uh, they're basically saying he was just he was a rogue agent working on his own. We had nothing to do with this thing. Uh, we later we find there is there was an explosion. This is kind of we're in kind of epilogue ter- territory here. Uh, there's been an explosion at Comsat at Comsac, and that Silk survived, but he was he was way fucked up. And as, as we see, he's like way messed up in the hospital. Um, later, uh, Colin King. He he. We learned that Colin King then goes to school in England under the watch of uh, Neville Alcott, who's just kind of keeping an eye on him because now we realize that he didn't realize that Colin King is his son. And Neville's also been corresponding um, with, uh, oh, he finds out that that Colin King has been corresponding with that Matsuo guy. So he still has like contacts. Wait, was Japan.
2: was Neville in the wheelchair when he got Colin's mom pregnant? I guess so.
1: I mean, yeah, it's, it's, if it happened all around that same time, it would have had to be. So that's what's going on there. Um, How does that work? I don't know. Um, Silk, Doctor Silk hires fits you like on the spot. You He's, really don't want to talk about no, that. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, the mechanics of wheelchair sex is not what i was wanting to get into. You know, look, use your imagination, folks. You got there's only so many, and he can't get up. So I mean, there's only so many ways this could have gone down.
2: It's like he can't get up, or he can't get
1: up. Um, well, we know he can. We know he can get up because. anyway I think it's time to move on this is why I don't want to talk about this
2: this
1: is why I tried to move on quickly but we no we couldn't have that we had to wallow in it didn't we we had to wallow in the awkward wheelchair sex conversation. And here we are. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to uh, to Fitz. you randomly getting hired. He's basically just this orderly who's like kind of nice to uh, to Doctor Silk, and he just hires him right on the spot. And then this Matthew, this Bodine guy, who had been Doctor Silk's partner, he splits with Silk. He's like, "You're doing weird experiments. I don't like what you're doing. You're hiring these weird orderlies to like be your bodyguard. Like, I'm out of here." Um, and then we f- later learned that that Marcus Bodine was killed, and it's pretty obvious. Like, they're at the funeral, and like. Basically, everybody knows that Silk had something to do with it. Like Neville knows Silk had something to do with it. So we're getting like the origins of Neville and Colin King, uh, both uh, both having problems with Doctor Silk. Why why he is the their arch nemesis throughout this whole thing. Uh, meanwhile, we we learn that Iwatsu is actually making a deal with Neville to combat Doctor Silk. So Neville has basically formed a relationship with this guy Watsu. Uh, so these guys are all these guys are all intermingled because they both see the common enemy, the common threat of dr silk who's been you know doing all these weird experiments and, and everything and um i think the japanese iwatsu was also doing these genetic experiments as well uh i, I believe it, it wasn't clear but i believe that Goru, that Goru was also like a part of experiments too uh so these are all kind of like genetic babies of some kind like Goru was was uh an experiment was being injected with stuff from when he was a kid uh through this like iwatsu japanese program while, while colin king was had the same thing going on with him when he was a kid so they have that that connection as well they're both sort of genetic super freaks uh i guess you could say um and uh let's see um yeah so uh we uh, later on we see uh colin king ninjack he's uh he's gonna do something he wants to do something in exchange for his his mother's release and he breaks in he later breaks in to uh uh to dr silk's headquarters essentially by not not literally but yeah he does break in yeah uh that that's how we kind of end this thing he uh dr silk has one of his ladies coming in and he's like he's like oh thank you so much for the flowers dr silk they're lovely he's like what flowers so i guess like uh, it was really from colin king and they had planted some device on her to to kind of like you know figure out where dr Silk's lair was. Um, so um, and this ends up with uh ninjak breaking into Dr. Silk's lair, uh gets into some shit, kills some bad guys, and he's basically saying, you know, call me ninja, Dr. Silk. Sorry to break up your party, but you have information I need. I'm sure you can start over. And uh, he messes some stuff up. And uh at the end at the end here we see uh you know, Colin King, Playboy Colin King, just living it up in the casino. We learn that uh he learns through this, uh through talking to C- Colonel Alcott that his mom is actually missing now. Uh, uh, so that's kind of where we, we end off. And as he's leaving the casino, he bumps into uh, what is apparently Dr. Silk. Uh, so I don't think he'd actually seen Dr. Silk to this point. He didn't actually know. Oh no, he did. He did actually see yeah. Dr. Silk. Yeah, he did. So I don't know. I don't know why he didn't recognize Dr. S- Doctor Silk here. Or maybe he did and didn't, it didn't matter. I'm not, I'm not sure. I guess that's a little confusing. I'm a little confused by that part. Uh, whether he recognized Dr. Silk at this casino or not. But anyway, uh, that kind of leaves us with this. It's kind of like weird to leave us with sort of a cliffhanger from the origin story. But Anyway, that's that's how we end things up. So, um, it's hard to judge this all as one story cuz it, it is kind of several stories, but that with several different artists throughout. Actually, I think we had a grand total of 5 artists in this thing, but uh we'll still do our best to give some second print scores here. So, you want to you want to take the reins first here, Ramzo.
2: Yeah, I've been saying this throughout. This is just good old popcorn fiction fun right now. We're getting everything you want from the spy thriller aspect, the ninja action, and all the violent 90s comic book goodness in between. Uh, with that, I mean, even though we had multiple story arcs, they all really kind of tie into each other, kind of show you the, the the broadness of the ninjack experience that you're getting from him and his uh, solo adventures. I was never bored. I found everything to be in Incredibly exciting and fun, kind of like watching a Fast and Furious film or a Mission Impossible movie. I didn't have to think too much into it. And then when they decided to go ahead and throw in the zero and zero zero origin issues, I felt the timing was right. The story was actually pretty interesting and it showed that you could do a lot of different types of storytelling with this character. You can go from like big introspective. Uh, prologue stories about the origin to him just slicing and dicing bad guys and you know betting games. So I think it was pretty awesome. All in all, it's nothing super fantastic, but it's a great Sunday read. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a three out of five. I think a three out of five is modest, and I'm also gonna go ahead and give the artwork a three out of five. It's really hard to judge a story like this, especially when you're dealing with multiple arcs and then multiple artists throughout it. But I found all of them to be really nice. I mean, I know that we held Casada as the standard bearer, but personally, I don't think that. Casada is really my favorite. Um, all in all, it's not bad. It's just it's 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 good. It's 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 good. Like it's not great. It's good. So I think a three out of five for Casada, Murdy, um, and all the other artists that came on to do this. I think lumping them into a three is more than fair for that so for me i'm gonna go ahead and give it a six out of ten definitely recommended reading if you're looking for something fun and uh, you got a few bucks to spare you want to read it on hoopla you won't be disappointed you're going to have fun in the process i'm
1: surprised it seems a little low to me considering how how much it seemed you seem to be enjoying enjoying it throughout Uh, because the six is only a little bit above
2: a five which is not that good so i'm just
1: i'm saying i'm not.
2: I mean, it's just like if people t- if people are like, what's your best selling point on on the 90s ninja I'm just going to say lots of action,
1: lots of action. I will say, like, sometimes the story gets a little complicated for me. Like there are certain things that you they don't really spell out. And I like, it, it, gets, it, gets a, it gets a little predictable.
2: Yeah. And, and like predictable is not bad. But predictable is yeah, predictable. I mean, there were twists and
1: turns, especially in the origin uh, story, like the whole thing with, you know, but that, that too was a little complicated. Like you really had to like, like, you didn't even realize it the first time reading, you know, that, that it was, they were trying to say yeah. Neville was Colin King's dad.
2: This, this was actually, this was more, this was more like my third time going mm-hmm. through it. Okay. Yeah. So I read it twice on my own. This was really a third time. So yeah, it kind of, it kind of missed me right yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, it's, elements of it can can
1: be a little confusing at times but i'd say those moments are very few and far between uh so i am gonna give overall i i'm gonna give the story a bit of a higher rating than you i i I think a four would be a little high but uh i'm gonna give the writing a 3.5 throughout i think like i said it's been it's been well paced this is not shakespeare this is not uh you know this is nothing that's gonna win a pulitzer why would i say pulitzer that's for journalism whatever you know what i mean
2: they get what we
1: mean but it's pretty good and it, it like like I enjoyed this. I never got bored, and that that's huge to me. Is never never getting bored, never thinking this this thing. And like the action is good, but it's always like shortened to the point, and it's never it's never drawn out too far. Uh, so I'm gonna give the writing a three point five, and the art. If it was Joe Casada throughout, I would probably give the art like a four. I think Joe Casada is pretty good, especially for this book. I think his his work just is, just shines through in this. I think it's you know not my favorite artist in the world, but but pretty darn good. Uh, but this is not Joe Casada yeah. throughout. We did get. I thought Mark actually I actually thought Mark Moretti did the best job on the art uh, between all the other artists that that came through this thing, um, but you know
2: even after Casada yeah, I think I put Moretti Cassata, now, yeah.
1: yeah for sure and then after that it was kind of more of a follow off so I'm gonna average the art down to about a three point five uh, when it's all said and done when we when we deduct for the non Casada the Cassata artists but still overall that brings me to a seven which I feel is a, about right for this it's you know so
2: a thirteen out of twenty pretty good total S P C score for the vault first volume of the 90s ninjack, go pick it up you'll enjoy it's it it's fun
1: and again uh, I, I I don't know if we should be getting a commission from Hoopla but I don't think Hoopla even makes money I don't know how Hoopla works but it works somehow and all you need is a library card this, spider
2: aliens this is on Hoopla
1: it all works from, from multi marketing spider aliens I'm pretty sure but uh, I, I think we're part of a, a multi-marketing company working for somehow we're forming a team, guys, and we're we're sending you to Hoopla. But now Hoopla is amazing. I don't know how it works. I don't know who makes money, if anybody makes money, but it's awesome. It's got so many freaking comics on it. All you need is like a digital library card, and you sign right up. But this is on there, so if you want to read the same exact version that Remzo and I read, it's Valiant Masterworks. It's Ninjak Valiant Masterworks Volume One. Um, I, I give it a recommendation. If you if you got uh, you know and an, spare a couple hours, and you're looking for something fun to read, I think this absolutely qualifies. I don't think you'll be too disappointed if your expectations are, are set correctly. So,
2: uh, I, but- in fact, I'm pretty sure I actually sent this to one of our uh, epic crossover level patrons. Oh, is this as one a of gift. the ones? I, sent a, right. I sent him a hardcover copy of, of this uh, of this very story? Right.
1: Well, that is a great segue into. Detailing why it is so important to support Second Print Comics Podcast in so many ways. Of course, five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Very easy, free way that you can help this podcast. And of course, a non-free way is a way called Patreon. The Second Print Comics Patreon where we don't just beg and plead for your money although we do a little bit of that. We make sure that we return you some amazing value. So we give you all sorts of bonus sh- content. Um, you've done Remzo rants. You've got Remso versus the MCU. Uh, you've got some reading lists coming up this summer, I do believe. Uh, I've been yeah. doing the Random Marvel Comics podcast. The Tales from the Fucket Pile. Uh, Claire Continues, which I haven't done for a while but uh, it's because I've been doing so many other bonus shows here including the most recent uh, and if you are uh, following if you are a subscriber to this feed you may have noticed a little bonus show in your feed a couple days ago I did we decided to put out the, uh, the the first episode of our Loki recap show to the main feed to give you guys a little sampling of what you get behind the paywall so that very first episode we put out on the public feed that was back on Monday if you want to click back check it out uh, that is a show I did with our friend Dan Smots from a great podcast called the system is down and uh, I really like doing these shows with Dan because he is not a comic nerd like us he he doesn't know anything about comics but he is a connoisseur of pop culture and so it's really fun to get his perspectives on these shows we also did the wandavision recaps together uh, from a non-comic book fan perspective from just a fan of general you know entertainment sci-fi that sort of thing uh, so we have a blast doing that hope you guys enjoyed that if you did you can hear the rest of those recaps for as little as five dollars a month by joining the Second Print Comics Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash Pod. Remzo, anything else you want to mention there?
2: Nothing else, folks, other than being... A lot, as a spider, another spider alien might be in your kitchen as right one, now, so. As one spider alien once said to me, please leave them a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Remzo will die. Other than that, I've got only one thing to say, folks. Read comics. Change the world. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios.